In a world of art and entertainment, we often seek deeper meaning and overanalyze the presentation. Director Paul Verhoeven often uses B-movie genre as a vehicle for complex human emotions, social satire, and shocking sex and violence. Is this genius subtext for the artist's intent, or our own imagination looking for cosmic connection where none were intended? We call, we this, call dilemma this dilemma the Verhoeven effect. your friends you're listening to the verhoven effect podcast i'm colin and i'm nathan and we have another very special episode we have the 2017 movie atomic blonde nathan uh do you have a history with atomic blonde yes i watched it last night <laughs> for the first time were, were, were you aware of it before did you see like the trailers or anything like i that? was aware of it i knew there was like um someone said there was like it was an actioner that was some like someone associated with the John Wick universe decided to yeah. take a comic book uh, set in the end of the Cold War in, in Germany, in Berlin, and make a um, John Wick-style spy movie out of it with, uh, with yeah. uh, Charlize Theron as the lead. I knew that, and then I just never like followed up on it. So it's just, <laughs> no reason, not good or bad. I was just like, oh, okay, that sounds interesting, and then it just kind of yeah. shifted out of sight. Well, yeah, I saw the trailer. I was like, this looks cool, and then I remember it did get great reviews. And then I saw it, and then I was like, "Well, this is two thirds of a good movie. The last act doesn't really hold it all together, yeah. Or it really, or it really wants to do some M Night Shyamalan stuff." It was like, "Well, wasn't that surprising?" It's like, "No, actually, no," because I watched the movie and how the characters interacted. That's I kind of figured this out, and also just by the weight of the actors in the movie, it's like, "Well, you're not bringing John Goodman in for like a two minute." goofy interview scene and then that's like the, the whole total of his character so yeah it came out july 28 2017 so that was that's probably kind of more of a you have the end of summer stuff where it's like studios usually put movies there but they don't know whether it'll do good or not so usually you'll either get like a big hit or like nobody will, or everybody thinks it's too weird i remember like that was another spot like that, like an August movies are like that a lot. I remember what was that Neil Blomkamp like, kind of like Matt Damon movie where like the rich live in space or oh, whatever. Elysium. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that, I remember that being like one of those August movies. <laughs> it was like this looks cool and the movie kind of sucks. I mean, the movie looked cool, but it could kind of suck. <laughs> yeah, it just didn't. It, it, like the 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 um the the vision of the movie and the concept were amazing and the way it looked yeah. was cool but the story was just kind of like yeah okay yeah <laughs> which kind of the same here so oh it's weird because I read the comic book and the comic book really doesn't have any of the style of this movie it's just kind of the story okay which is weird because that's the weakest part of the movie is the story and the best part of it it's its style and action yeah. <laughs> uh because I read like the comic book is kind of fine it, although it does kind of seem like well, sh well sh i could do this because it's all black and white so it's all basically done by a couple of people and it's just, and it's a lot of dialogue it's yeah like, it's a lot man, of I dialogue do yeah uh so basically it's just like it's it's like they essentially just did a storyboard with dialogue like that's all the the comic book really is it isn't really like a great explanation or look at the cold war or anything like that no. it's just kind of a general spy novel in comic form 
Yeah, if you, uh, if you if you're a fan of John Le Carre, like you've seen this before and better. Yeah, it's it's yeah. like that's so you're not getting that. <laughs> what you are getting is a cool like almost '90s reinterpretation of the '80s shot in 2017 <laughs> with a cool soundtrack that's almost all weighted towards the early 80s even though this is set in 89 which was cool. well it's also a lot of covers of the 80s tracks yeah, too yeah yeah there's a lot from of that. The time. <laughs> yeah it's uh what was i gonna oh yeah so there was kind of a i don't know i tried to look it up and i don't know if i can back this up but around this time there was a lot of seems to be a resurgence in let's cover the cold war yeah uh so in 2015 there's three things that pop up looking up at it. so you have uh the the man from uncle a remake from Guy Ritchie. The film's fine. I remember getting bored halfway through, but it's like good actors. It's well executed. I just remember not really caring for it. And then you had Spielberg's Bridge of Spies, which came out in 2015. Mm -hmm. And then you had Metal Gear Solid Five, which takes place during like the 80s Cold War era. Uh, so that's all 2015. <laughs> and then, of course, you have this, Atomic Blonde. And then, oh, there's like later on, there was a couple of like, chess movies that came out there's one called like the coldest game yeah which is like chess and then it becomes a spy thing i never saw it it's um, with bill pullman right yes it's very weird i've seen it there's, but there's like another one too there's a different chess cold war movie there's also a movie just called cold war about like a guy who's trying to it's like a polish movie and he's trying to like win this this woman away from you know the commun communist poland <laughs> yeah there's been a couple of recent ones too but that's the stuff I looked up. I mean, you can go back for you. I mean, they've been doing Cold War stuff for others, but I thought this was kind of maybe a little moment here where they had stuff going on for Cold War stuff and seemingly kind of just disappeared. Like maybe there wasn't really a whole lot of interest in it. I'm not sure. Well, I think uh, like um, for, for younger people, like some of the, the Call of Duty franchise, I know well, yeah, Call of Duty Cold War came out like 2020. So, yeah, I, I know that like that, Well, they were always like retconning the Cold War and, and, and stuff like that in, in Call of Duty, and, and they, they seem to you know bring that back, which is was always like the ludicrous. That was like the, the, the age of the Soviet Superman. It's like the fantasies they told us in the 80s about how good the Russians were. Like, no, these, this made it seem real. It's, but in a car, the video games did it in a cartoonish way, so there was always like, yeah, what if the Soviets were like really sophisticated and smart, <laughs> not just corrupt and sad? Well, that's what I was like about Metal Gear Solid is it had like the, the mixture of like, the mythos in the reality because you have all this like cool equipment and stuff like that and it's like some of it's made up and some of it's like well no that was on a drawing board in that time but nobody made it and here they just went the extra first like oh somebody made a one-off prototype and now we can use this magical technology yeah <laughs> and then it breaks and that's why we never saw it ever again <laughs> yeah also looking at that cold war stuff i saw a couple of movies i never even saw it because there's one called phantom with like with like ed harris and david duchovny but that was like in 2007 but it's it a like that's a, a weird one it's kind of cool okay it's a retelling of that um oh that's I've, I've talked about it before because it was that book that total like conspiracy book i could call it a what if book not a real book called red star rogue about how the kgb was actually had kgb agents on this russian submarine that was exactly the same as these chinese submarines that they'd sold them and they were going to nuke Pearl Harbor in the 60s and make it look like the Chinese did it. So to start a war between China and the United States and leave Russia out of it. And that, yeah, Phantom was kind of something along those lines. 
but then it became like a spiritual thing and a afterlife thing. It's like, oh, this is weird. What? Is that the sub that the Glomar Explorer picked yes, up? Yes, that's, that... what, that's okay. what they're talking about. It's that one. <laughs> okay. K something. I can't remember. Yeah. Because there's always been a lot of conspiracy theories around like, oh, why did we spend all that money trying to recover something that was outdated in the 60s? Like, It's like, oh, because we think they were trying to launch nuclear missiles and the KGB <laughs> didn't know what the Soviet Navy had done to prevent that from happening. Cause if you had the codes, but not the key or there was something, if you didn't do that, we gave it to them. It's like, Oh, it would just detonate in the silo, not the war, the nuclear part of it, but the explosives would go off and it would, you know, to prevent uh, an unsanctioned launch. And, but you don't know, you know, it's like, yeah. Or they were a bunch of idiots and they didn't maintain the submarine right and it just sank it's like that's probably <laughs> more likely sadly more likely what happened uh the director is uh david oh is that leech lights <laughs> where's he from oh i think he's american he's the stunt guy out that did all the uh john wick stuff he directed john wick oh he's from Kohler, uh, wisconsin so yeah it's, it's david leach he did the fast and furious spinoff oh, he did Hobbs the recent bullet Locke. train movie okay is that any good i haven't seen that I I didn't hear good things. I watched the trailer and was like, that looks fun, and then I just don't hear good things, so who knows. Uh, he did Deadpool 2. <laughs> uh, I think before this, he was just like a big stunt guy. Like I think he did stunts for like The Matrix or something like that. I'm not sure if that's... Okay, yeah, he has 82 stunt credits. <laughs> Let's see what they are. Uh, okay, worked on the Bourne franchise, X-Men franchise... Um, he's got a lot here, so he kind of worked on everything. <laughs> the Underworld franchise, V for Vendetta, <laughs> Mr. and Mrs. Smith. Oh, he worked on Constantine. That's a movie we did. Okay. Yeah, oh, okay, yeah, he worked on The Matrix. Okay. So, yeah, he was a stunt guy for The Matrix movies. Let me go to 99 if he did. Because as has a Matrix Reloaded, but I don't think, see the original Matrix. Okay, oh, yeah, it looks like he came in on the... Uh, oh, I did Fight Club. He's Brad Pitt's stunt double. Oh, okay. Well, that makes sense. <laughs> I could see that. Now he's directing movies. See, you can make it. Yeah. <laughs> Keep believing in yourself. So anyways, that's probably why the action in this movie is so good. Because <laughs> yeah. to get a stunt guy directing it. Yeah, the, the story might not make sense, but the action is excellent. <laughs> like, did you ever see that Extraction movie, the Netflix one? Yes. That's, uh, you know, fantastic action. I don't remember a lick of the story other yeah. than he's going to get I don't know what they're doing, work. but, like, a lot of people are going to die. I, I, <laughs> I'm sure that that's going to happen. So it's like, okay, I know what I'm getting. Uh, let's see here. The director of photography is Jonathan Sela, who he just kind of worked with this guy a lot. Um, I don't know who this is. I only heard <laughs> Probably there's a musician called Doja Cat. I only learned about her like today because of a tweet. I don't even know who she is. She's some musician I'm probably supposed to know because she's probably gigantic in the world and I don't even know. Yeah, I'm um, sure it's something like that. Yeah, the cinematographer worked with uh, this guy a lot, so he did all John Wick movies, uh, this. It looks like he worked on A Good Day to Die Hard. <laughs> okay. Uh, worked on the Max Payne movie. Does a lot of music videos because like, this movie looks good. So. Oh, yeah. Yeah. This yeah, this guy seems like yeah, he's a he's a music video guy that came over, to shoot movies. That makes sense. I usually like, <laughs> I usually cinematographers who start off in music videos, which are really directors too. They usually make the best stuff visually. So yeah, you know sometimes you don't need to do that. Like I'm not looking for, like even though he does do visual stuff, but Mark, Martin Scorsese like 
I don't go hit looking to him for like stylish movies, even though he does have a style that's pretty cool. But written by Kurt Kurt Johnstad, he did the adaptation from the not from the the uh, graphic novel. I think this is like his only. Oh, he wrote the three hundred movies. Oh, okay, cool. <laughs> An act of valor. Okay, so he just like writes action movies. Yeah, he writes action movies based on comics. Huh? Yeah, that's yep. There you go. Huh. That seems to be his thing, so he can make that work. I wish I could do that. I'm good at writing action. I'm yeah. not good at writing stories, but I'm very good at writing action. <laughs> I wish I had a creative thought in my head. <laughs> Instead, I'm just like, no, i got to just research train schedules because that's <laughs> fun to me. Uh, yeah, then the, the comic writers were uh, Anthony Johnstone and Sam Hart. I think they were both British guys. Uh, they just kind of work in comics. I yeah. think this might be the biggest thing either of them had ever been associated with. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, apparently there's Atomic Blonde 2. I doubt that'll happen, especially with the uh, strike going on. But hey, we'll see. Hey, the writers are going to talk to them Monday. <laughs> They're going to tell them to go pound sand again on Monday. <laughs> well, I saw that the... Uh, the effects companies work on Marvel movies, which is all of them, really. Yeah. So I don't know which one, but one of them is going to, they're going to start a union. Oh, okay. Good for them. <laughs> hope it works out. I mean, yeah, I hope it just, that's the only chance you got. I mean, it's. Yeah. Cause like none of the like effects houses that I know of like are unionized and that's been a thing. It's like, Hey, why is Disney taking all their old uh, animated things and like making them a cgi it's like well one they make tons of money two all those cgi studios have no union so they don't get any they don't get any like residuals on the movie yeah <laughs> was it I the lion king they made another billion dollars like mm -hmm. just on top of the billion dollars they made from that before it's like let's yeah let's just go and that's why well isn't that the, the guy who does a mandalorian didn't he direct that yeah, yeah. And that was like his, okay, do this for us. Do this for this pile of money. And then. And, and we look at it, I was like, who would go see this? And it's like, I don't know, billions of people. Apparently, a lot of people <laughs> would go see this. Because uh, even that, like, I know it's been like out there for like the people that like to say, like, go woke, go broke thing. Because uh, they just want to make that be a reality just because it rhymes. Yeah. <laughs> you know, they have like, you know, the Black Ariel and the new Little Mermaid movie. It's. And like they bring up all these articles, is like what a travesty it is. Like it still made five hundred million dollars. Yeah. they still <laughs> like made it, triple their money on it. So it's yeah, like yeah. they're not trying. They're, yeah, we're just gonna cry. All right, we're gonna toast our victory with eight hundred dollar bottle champagne. You're right, dumbasses. You got us. Yeah, I don't think going woke is the reason entertainment sucks nowadays. There's other reasons it sucks, but no. it's like we don't need to come back to that all the time. They go, they go, uh, they're risk averse. Yeah, <laughs> all these movies are created because of risk aversion. Why would you remake the the Lion King like a, a seemingly like a perfect money making animated movie into a CGI kind of less perfect movie? Uh, because you know, it makes money. <laughs> yeah. It's like, why couldn't you make an original movie? It's like, that's hard. <laughs> yeah. It's not go woke, but go broke. It's like, be creative, go broke. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's like, that's why, like, I probably, I probably go, got to go see Oppenheimer tomorrow. Cause it's like one of the, the, the reasons I go to see, 
uh, Christopher Nolan movies is like he's the last guy they'll give two hundred million dollars to make an original movie. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> it's him and who else is leading that? So there's another guy that can do that, but that's it. Yeah. And it, and, and well, and the Oppenheimer movie was based on a on a very good historical novel called American Prometheus, which is oh, okay. actually amazing to read. It's it's like oh, there's a lot I didn't know about how you know i i mean i knew a lot about the manhattan project or as much as you can know publicly about but i didn't realize <laughs> like how complicated some of the people involved with it because it's always sort of simplified it, it's they almost make it sound like you know oh from the prairies of america these geniuses came and made this bomb it's like no these people came from all over the world and uh yeah and they were some of the smartest people alive and some of them were really disturbed people and they didn't think communism was so bad. And it's like, oh, <laughs> oh, this is interesting. Okay. and um, But they didn't understand what, because there wasn't like global news coverage and they didn't know what was going on in Ukraine or in, in Russia, what, you know, what, what collectivization meant in the Soviet Union. They were just like, no, it's to help the people and we can all be equal. They had a very innocent notion of what communism was. They didn't realize that they were dancing with the devil. Uh, but they saw the devil in also the devil in capitalism. But yeah, that's it's just the devil, you know, versus the strange, mysterious devil <laughs> from other lands or people with funny names like, like oh, they, they're all killing each other over this. But yeah, but not us good, wholesome capitalists here in the land of the free. <laughs> so, yeah, but that's based on a book. That's a great book. I read okay. it like I think it came out like five years ago. I remember reading it. it that was when I was re remember I was talking I about mean, that's Edward fine. Teller that's like, and all that. Yeah, that's I was reading. That's, all I mean, that, that's then. not like, but you know, that's it's still not like a sequel. Yeah, it's not a com it's not based on a comic book. <laughs> no, for all intents and purposes, for the amount of money it's made, ninety percent of the people that have seen that movie know nothing about that book and never had read it before. I yeah. had and Grayson had, and we still love the movie. <laughs> we're like we got a lot out of it because grayson, grayson liked the more esoteric stuff because he's like well i know about the manhattan project like the nuts and bolts he's like i like the story about the people which is what that mostly is i read the richard Feynman book which has a couple chapters about him working on the manhattan project but that's more of a that's more of like a a funny physicist book yeah <laughs> which i'm not sure if they have him in the movie because i don't think he was like he worked on the calculations of where the, at what point they should explode the bomb to get a better like rebound of the energy to make, make more destruction happen. Ah, he was the old shockwave lens guy. Okay, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah I think I read the same book. I think he told me to read that book. Yeah, yeah. No, I yeah. don't know. Uh, the only guy who featured in this was Teller because um, he was like the rebel of the Manhattan Project because he was like he didn't want to do – because the thing was, is like Oppenheimer was good at like organizing scientists. That was kind of his thing. Like, I, I need this group to do this, this group to do that, this. And he was good at that. And, and Tyler was like, I just want to work in pure theory. It's like, well, no, we need you to work on the one part of the explosive. He's like, well, I got distracted by the math I was doing and I can't do that. I don't want to do that anymore. So you have someone else do it. Because Teller famously didn't get along with a lot of people. Because he was always living in these abstract universes of quantum physics and... And, and he, of course, he was the guy who 
like you know the because the hydrogen bomb is called the teller ulram fusion device i mean that's the real name of it and it's like because huh. yeah him and the other guy figured out like oh if you enter introduce tritium into this nuclear blast it's hundreds of times more powerful and he knew about that he was theorizing about that back when they were doing the manhattan project and oppenheimer later was like keep that genie in the bottle we don't need these things to be <laughs> hundreds of times more powerful all right we're already killing enough people but no teller did it he's like no we must be more powerful oh because ego and teller was also one of the last things he did before he died was sold reagan on star wars like we can do this the math says it's possible it's like yeah we're gonna run out of money but okay <laughs> Uh, yeah, anyway, book back, to, about, back to original ideas. Yeah. Well, the 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 book I read about Richard Feynman is called "Surely You're Surely You're Joking, Mister Feynman." Yeah. Which is just his kind of wacky adventures in in physics, and part of that is working on the Manhattan Project and him breaking into cabinets and stuff yeah. like that to test the security of what's going on. It's like, well, does anybody care? <laughs> it's like, oh, we care a lot. But, yeah, they'll actually yeah. shoot you if you're not smart enough. Like, yeah, if, <laughs> if you're not critical, they will uh, they will kill you. But yeah, they they did care. Uh, and he has like a funny trick in there and how you can do like like uh, large numbers of. Uh, you can find large numbers to the square root, but very specific numbers. I forget how to do it, but it's kind of funny because you'll just like ask people like, all right, uh, right, tell me you want the square root of something, but you, you, you organize it so they can only ask a specific. Uh, It's like doing a card force, but with math. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. It's fun. Cause you don't, it's like, yeah, it's cause you don't need to know. You know, it's basically you just need to like move the numbers around your head. You don't really need to do any math. No, it's just kind of a fun little trick. <laughs> it's it's pen setting. It's like co- it's like early form code breaking. It's just like oh, you're saying this. That's an anag- That's a numeric anagram for this. So four point three one six nine. Or but you're just you're not doing the calculations. You're just yeah. doing a number anagram. Yeah. <laughs> so the cast for atomic bond. Oh yeah, I should. I guess I should say the. Uh, oh, I forget what it's called. Uh, the graphic novel, I believe, is called The Coldest Day. Coldest City. They, it's called a city. That's right. Uh, and I think there's a prequel called like The Coldest Winter. Or yeah, it's set like in that. 1981. Okay. Which was like um, for, what, what what I some people and I like this term. See, this is the end of the Cold War. But 1980, 1979 through 1984 is what they call the height of the end of the Cold War. Like it's it's like the because uh, you had the, the 60s Cold War kind of ended with the cuban missile crisis like that was the epoch of like we almost did it almost did it and then you get through the 70s was kind of the that was like the american economic malaise where they thought well america's out of the game and russia was swimming on oil profits because of the oil crisis and they got vietnam going on in the 60s 60s, yeah so. so there was a lot of things going on with america so that's like the 70s is kind of the malaise period of america and then the 80s when Reagan's in power, all, you know, all the science that the Soviets had been doing through the 70s was now paying dividends and they were going to crush America <laughs> with one fatal stroke with their superior technology. And so that was like the the uh, early 80s is considered like the second epoch of the Cold War. And then it just fizzled out and died with what we see here. <laughs> uh, of course, the cast is Charlize Theron, James McAvoy and John Goodman. And a bunch more people that we'll talk about. And oh, Toby Jones, who has to play a British intelligence <laughs> agent whenever. Like, we need a British intelligence agent. Get Toby Jones. I mean, he's literally in here <laughs> for five minutes. But 
We need something who either seems he either seems to be evil or too dorky to be evil. It's like he's kind of both. It's yeah. like you don't know if he's a, a demon or he's just a dorky man that's British. <laughs> I liked him in Captain America when he was like the evil <laughs> sub-scientist. It's like yeah. he seems completely out of place because you have Captain Camer America and the Red Skull who's just a psycho. And this is like his little wizard. And it's like, is this guy going <laughs> to live? Um but yeah, I always see that guy. He's a very distinct looking man. And it's like, yep, yeah. he's a British agent. Because he was also in the new, the remaking Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he was. Which I would have listened to that too, but that came out like 2007 or so, or 2010. So I was kind of like moving like to 2015 forward for like that, for that wave of Cold War movies. Yeah. No, the I mean, John I'll... Le Carre, the, 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 the circus novels, those are the best Cold War spy movies i mean it's all mi6 it's not like as much cia but i like those because those are like well because john le Carre actually worked in that business and and it's like it's if there's going to be a reality to that world that we can get close to that seems like it and then my favorite like american cia spy novel is of course charlie wilson's war because that's exactly <laughs> what we're like we're just that's showing up like Fuck you and shoot things and <laughs> blow things up and and it's yeah it's more about like moving logistics around and not necessarily about like how can we sneak a bug into somebody's house because that that's that's necessary sometimes and sometimes you can just figure that information out in other means quicker more easier means yeah charlie wilson's war makes logistics seem more important than field craft and yeah. then as you follow the story, you realize, oh, yeah, it actually is. It's like that's how you win the war. You don't have a watch that shoots a laser out of it. You you overwhelm your enemy with destructive weapons generate sent to their enemies that not only destroy the enemy, but also pay for itself later on. And then, of course, you create a terrorist organization that then in turn attacks America and leads to a 20-year, $4 trillion war. But, you know, we don't you know, want to go that far into it. That has nothing to do with the movie we're watching uh i mean sure it does it's it, in the time period yeah it, is, it actually is the same time period so uh so we have act one we got digital green titles we got reagan saying tear down this fall yep <laughs> uh but they kind of like spray painted out and it's like this is not that story i forget uh i didn't pause I, I, I had a time crunch here so i didn't pause this movie at all so i was writing a lot on the fly so Nathan, you'll have to back me up for things I forgot. Okay. <laughs> we get Blue Monday plays. Here's just a regular version of it. There's a lot of, there are a lot of songs from the '80s, and there are a lot, also a lot of remixes that were weren't created in the '80s in this movie. A lot of German remixes of these '80s songs that weren't created in the '80s. Yeah. Uh, some '80s German songs that have a remix to them. <laughs> yeah, this movie's just kind of a remix in itself. So yeah. Yeah, this movie is a blending of styles because it's like because it has the spray paint uh, titles. Like, yeah, the oh, that... neon and spray graffiti spray paint. So it's like it's a mixed. Yeah. So, yeah, it's a mixture. of. Things. I see that as an homage to its comic book origins, perhaps. I don't know. I'd... Or no, it's like about that... the graffiti that's going on in East Germany because everyone's sick of the east germans <laughs> and the communists and the berlin walls coming down well, i don't know what it represents well like, those like the comic like it's not in color so it doesn't have any of these like cool kind of like uh style to it it's very oh it's just a black and white comic yes oh yes. cool actually that works with this but okay i haven't read the comic i mean it's stylish but it's very simplistic 
Well, yeah, East Germans are very East Germany at that time was a very black and white and gray place, so that kind of works. <laughs> but I mean, like a lot of the scenes aren't like it's not pulling the camera out. It's just two people talking, and then it's just all about like who did this and who did this. Well, who has this? You know, it's just spycraft stuff. Um, you know, and just kind of you know neat visuals, but not like the visuals in this movie are cooler than what they are in the the comic book. Also, like the the main protagonist isn't like this really hot <laughs> blonde chick that's she's just like a regular british lady who worked in spycraft yeah <laughs> and they don't have these long like like the big action scene like in the comic book is like when she goes after the sniper and it's just one guy and she kind of tackles him over a railing and he falls to a death and there's just one guy in that fight yeah and that's the biggest action scene in the comic book so not even like the action was inspired the movie. They brought that the movie brought it to itself. So the comic book wasn't like, what if this? She was like the lady from the Matrix, like. In that... <laughs> well, even here, like all the actions done very realistically. Yeah, like, she's not a superwoman. No, she's just but clever. <laughs> but there's also a lot of like, um, oh, when the cops are coming into the apartment where she's like sneaking around looking for stuff. It's like, yeah. that's very reminiscent of the opening scene of the first yeah, Matrix. Yeah. It's like, oh, she's going to beat them all up. Now, she's not going to do it with gravity defying, well, I'm really <laughs> operating in a computer program so I can kind of bend physics. No, it's very practical. It's, uh, and this is, a, this is a, a, one of those movies where there is no such thing as a concussion. Because like, people <laughs> can be beat on savagely in the head yeah. and never pass out. Uh, no one loses an eye. Even though they probably should, uh, no one's hand. Oh no! Break. I got one guy loses an eye, definitely. Yeah. Well, one guy gets shot in the eye. Another guy gets stabbed in the eye, but he kind of still comes back. Like even by the end of the movie, he's like he's probably still lingering around somewhere. Yeah, he might be okay. One guy is made into a key holder. <laughs> that's the same guy. He okay. gets his eye stabbed out. So. Yeah, that that's the guy in this movie who's like yeah he's like a porcupine for. Uh, all right. Yeah. Well, they did. I mean, they even open. Well, we'll get to it. But like, uh, so yeah. So it's Berlin, November 1989. A guy's running away from a car, and then he's like hopping through a fence, and then he gets hit by presumably a different car, but I actually don't know. <laughs> Maybe it just snuck around and hit him. Uh, he's, and then the car like pins him against another car, and then he backs up again, and basically like his legs are broken. He just kind of falls to the ground. You hear him say something like he says something like the guy another guy comes out and he says like I blame Satchel which we don't know what that means yeah and then uh, I hear Bakhtin which I think he's a rush or he's a Russian KGB, KGB guy yeah, yeah. he sh and we find out this guy's Gascoin he shoots Gascoin in the head takes his watch and dumps his body in a river and this which is by the way take it from someone who's been at the scene of a few gory accidents where people get hit by cars like that you're not putting that guy's hips anywhere near your head. To throw him in the river because that guy his pants if you hit him with a car like that. Uh, yeah, so you're gonna be like dragging him by the head and tossing him over. You're not picking him up stylistically over your head because his bowels have just been blown out of the bottom of his body. So, but maybe um, only I would know that because I've seen so many gory car accidents. That... You know, Nathan, we only got a day to shoot this scene. We're not gonna like put the pants. Yeah, <laughs> it's not necessary to the story. Yeah, you hit someone like that with a car, it's going to smell like a septic system exploded. 
Uh, and you're going to be like, oh, God, dragging him by the arms. Or just leave the body in the street. Because yeah, he did He did uh, head-on collision, this guy, and hit another car. So maybe he kind of like bonked his nose against the steering wheel and he doesn't have a sense of smell right now. That's that cool. Well, we could give him that. <laughs> then we cut to Charlie's Theron. She plays Lorraine uh, Broughton. And she emerges from an ice bath full of blood and bru- bruises all over her body. So this is where I think like, they are realistic. It's like, oh, yeah, you can't just get in a fight and then act like nothing happened. It's like, this is what she does in between fights. It's yeah, like, you're drinking vodka and ice and <laughs> taking Pain Percocets. <laughs> and, yeah, and it's not to get high. It's so you can walk. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so yeah I did like, like that her body was just this. This because it's like, oh, a naked scene. It's like, oh, there's nothing fun about it. She <laughs> looks like she's been drugged behind a truck yeah. for hours. Like, uh, and that's what you'd look like, too, if you took a beating like that. Yeah. And that's what you have to do to to have to, to survive another day after a beating like that. <laughs> and I wrote London 10 days later, but I believe that's earlier. <laughs> yeah. Because I forget where this ice bath happens because it a happens ice after baths. the scene where he gets shot. OK. okay. Because uh, I think there's multiple ice bath scenes. Yeah, there's more than one. Uh, but I don't think it's one because there's a time stuff here where things go back in time. Yeah, yeah. This is a this is a. It's not Rashomon. What do you call it when you tell a story this way? Uh, but yeah, it's all after the fact. So yeah. Uh, okay. So yeah, this is London ten days later. Uh, but the the ice bath scene is like a flashback of a story she's telling. Yeah. <laughs> This is 10 days later after Gascoigne gets killed. It's a dream within a dream. Yeah. Um, she takes some pain pills. Uh, she looks at a picture of her and Gascoigne. Then she burns the picture. She gets dressed in a very stylish outfit and heads out <laughs> while the credits play. Uh, so, <laughs> you know, this is an outfit you'd really put on if you're a spy. But, hey, you know, we got to make a cool movie here. So <laughs> I do like when she's digging through her makeup drawer. It's like, are those lipstick? canisters or shotgun shells you don't know exactly <laughs> and they never really make it clear it's like okay probably both who knows uh we get david bowie's cat people putting out the fire yeah i was playing. listening to the soundtrack to this when you called me because i wanted to <laughs> i did like the soundtrack was very well used in this um yeah and then we get the atomic blonde titles and it's a neon uh like looking like neon lights and then there's graffiti like it's, it's like atomic is in graffiti and blonde is in neon. Uh, Lorraine is getting interviewed by Toby Jones, who's playing Eric Gray, and then John Goodman plays a- Emmett Kurtzfield. Uh, or no, is it Kurtzfield or is it Kurtzfeld? No, Kurtzfeld. Kurtzfeld. He kind of just like sneaks in in the background. Yeah. Uh, just like he's out of he's like out of focus and he gets brought in, and then so he, here she's recounting what happened in Berlin, which. Berlin's where the ice bath happens. Oh, wait, no, she's in the ice bath before this interview. That's what's going yeah. on. Because she takes her glasses off and she, you can see the bruise on her eyes. They're like, that's <laughs> like, man, who punched you? And she's like, about eight guys punched me in the face. Yeah. <laughs> Did they live to tell about it? No. <laughs> Let me get titles and it says the beginning, which this is like we're going into the flashback. So we're going to be jumping in and out of flashbacks here. So I'm probably going to forget where I am. Just know the whole time there's an interrogation scene going on and there's the the movie in Berlin. <laughs> so London's the interrogation and Berlin's where the the main act, part of the movie happens. Like, well, in this flashback, we're still in Britain because Lorraine's being recruited because she knows who who she knows Gascoigne. So 
They just want her to go in and get the body. But that's just an excuse to put her in there to find this list, which is a magical list of all the world's known spies. Like, ah, oh. the old knock list from Mission Impossible. <laughs> Um, it sounds like the worst thing to actually keep around. It's like, let's put this in one place. It's like, yeah, it's a good idea. <laughs> but it's a great, like, spy story motivation story, Pete. A great, what do they call that, MacGuffin? Yeah. It's the best MacGuffin. Well, it's also, I guess I guess what makes that interesting for this time period is, like, everyone's, is, like, Lorraine's not the person they really want to put in there. She's kind of, like, out of the business, and that's why they use her. At least in the comic book, it's like, You've been out of the system for a while. They're not going to know who you are, but you have some of the skills. So we're just going to throw you in there with no backup. That's why they use her. Yeah. Um, because like nobody's really excited to get this list because it's like the wall's coming down. Who cares? <laughs> and then like, of course, some of these forward looking, you know, um, spy guys are like, oh, because the wall go if the wall goes down and Russia collapses. It that doesn't mean there's not going to be spycraft anymore. <laughs> it's just going to be a different kind of spycraft, and we're still going to need all those assets. So yeah, here we have got another name called Spyglass. He's he's another, he's like a Stasi agent, and he's rumored to have the list with all the, the world spies on it. Uh, in between here, we cut to Percival, David Percival. He's played by James McAvoy. He's a British agent in Berlin. He's selling contraband to like well, I wrote Soviets, but I guess they'd just be like east germans or whatever yeah yeah Yeah, the old stasi the shield and sword (laughs) of the party it's the most fascinating uh communist spy organization that ever (laughs) ever existed the german uh what is what's it called stasi it's one of those weird german acronyms because it's taking letters from the beginning in the middle of the word in english it's ministry for state security in german and i'm gonna mangle this and you know you're gonna hate that but it's uh, <laughs> it's like Ministerium for Stasi's Heart or something. So they shorted it. They shortened it for to mean Stasi. So that's uh, yeah. <laughs> They're an amazing. Uh, they were an amazing uh, organization. Because it's still like German, so it's all about like engineering and like like keeping things in order. And like, well, we're under the Russians' thumb, but they have some good stuff. But we want to improve upon it, so it's like, well, we'll take this stuff from you, but we'll also make it better. And we also don't want anything to do with you, but yeah. we do like the sport. <laughs> I know the Stasi; they're like, oh, the KGB; they're baboons, but they have all the money. Because <laughs> I think there's a thing in the comic. I don't know if it's real, because they probably would see this on Forgotten Weapons by now. But did, did the Stasi make their own weapons at all? Did yes. they have like their own version of a Makarov or something? Yes, like they that? had their own. Uh, yeah, the Germans kind of took some of the Russian stuff. And tried to make it better, um, <laughs> just more reliable for if, okay. for anything else. And they also they were interested in like because um, you got to remember they were in the capital of their country, with the capital of a hostile nation also in the same place. <laughs> so they could like they needed like silent weapons and things like that. And the stuff the Russians gave them were it was like giving them potato smasher. To, you know, it just <laughs> it didn't do any good. So yeah, when he's like when he's like selling off contraband, they always have like fight the power playing by public enemy. <laughs> yes, which I thought was interesting. Uh, then we cut back to the interview, and the British uh, need the list, uh, even though the wall's coming down. So like some people are like I said, they're they're uh, they're indecisive about like why this is important. Yeah, Lorraine's getting sent in under the disguise of like she's a lawyer to recover Gascoigne's body. This is more covered in the comic book and more known here. Here, just like kind of a lot of stuff just kind of happens and you just pick it up as you go. 
that's a lot of things with like movies though where it's like the visual pick it up yeah um, you're supposed to interpret a lot from from this because y'all have like oh here's a 120 page script which usually equals to how much like usually a minute of script is a minute of screen or a page equals a minute of screen time usually but you'll find in movies that like hey you know all this dialogue we put in here to kind of explain everything well like we already have this visual like breadcrumb trail so we can cut about 15 pages now so <laughs> yeah like that's why a lot of stuff gets cut from movie it's because the thing that we need the audience to know they already know it visually so we can cut that out of the movie now even though it's like a good scene it's just unnecessary now because the, the audience has already picked it up yeah uh let me come back to percival is helping spyglass to escape because the stasi are rating like his 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 hangout where he's selling the stuff and so he he wants this the, the list from spyglass but here so that's why he helps him escape uh here like percival like like beats up a couple of cops he's got a cast on and then he like takes one of their cars lights on fire and like shoves it towards like one of the uh what checkpoint charlie or just another checkpoint i'm not sure it's some stasi (laughs) building i'm not sure exactly what's going on and then he escapes in the sewers so yeah which is important in the comic book, but that's just kind of a thing that happens here. Yeah, here it just looks cool. It's like, oh, this guy's ballsy. Like, he's... <laughs> Which I think it's like, I don't know. That would have been a more, like... Yeah, I feel like like James McAvoy does this character very well, like, too well to an extent that's like, well, we don't want him to be the bad guy at the end of the movie. <laughs> yeah. It's like it doesn't work. It's like you don't necessarily want him to you don't understand why he does anything he does ultimately. Yeah. I think James McAvoy kind of has two modes of acting. It's either subdued and thoughtful or go wild. It's like, he doesn't (laughs) seem to have like a middle ground. So this is one of his go wild moments where he's like, Oh, I'm a crazy person. And, um, you know, I have a mission and I'm definitely doing something. It's kind of like when he played the cop in filth where he was like, uh, you know, he's just kind of this out of control, drunk Scottish cop who was really corrupt. (laughs) But also like, oh, but I want things to be better because isn't Scotland a miserable place to live? <laughs> and uh, so, yeah. Or like when he was playing the uh, multiple personalities character in the in the Glass movie. And, and it's like, yeah, that's go wild, James McAvoy. And this this seemed kind of in that vein. But yeah, he's fun in this movie for a bit. So that's what yeah, he's... you like him. <laughs> I mean, you always like character. him. Yeah. Yeah. He's, um, he's a guy who doesn't shower regularly but... and seems hung over a lot. But, but yeah, it is it is mentioned in like the briefing when they're talking with the rain that like he's gone native, meaning that like like not necessarily like, oh, he's a Russian agent now or he's gone over to the Stasi. It's that like he enjoys where he is too much to go anywhere else. Yeah. <laughs> like he's he enjoys being on the fringe and like kind of fighting against the Stasi, but and he enjoys it too much that he doesn't want to go home anymore because this is his home. So. Yeah. <laughs> Which that's kind of his only character explanation is like well, if this all falls down, what do I do? And he doesn't know what he wants to do. <laughs> yeah, he likes to fight the power, or at least fight the power that you know he is opposed to. Uh, and he likes the chaos of of uh, the you know, East Berlin underground and the danger of it all. Yeah, because it was really dangerous to oppose the East German government at this time. I mean, they were there was no rules. <laughs> I mean, we, you've seen the lives of others. I mean, that's like yeah, that's how those people operated. I mean, they were a lot more stick-in-the-mud, pain-in-the-ass bureaucrat spies, maybe. Not the KGB just like, yeah, let's kill people. But Stasi <laughs> were more results-driven, but they still would use any method that you know they could justify. Yeah. 
Well, yeah, if they killed somebody, they'd have to have a paper trail yeah. for it. So that's what they didn't. That they didn't necessarily kill as many people as the Russians did because we like to keep records. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And the East Germans had a strong resistance. Uh, 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 what would you call that? Institutional resistance to the Soviet Union uh, because they had, like, I remember, of course, in back to Chernobyl. Uh, there was a little, some nuclear power plants in East Germany that were pretty well ran by the East Germans uh, using Russian tech. And they were like, well, we would need to send you to Chernobyl to clean up this mess. And they're like, no, just shoot me now because we know <laughs> what you've done there. We know how dangerous it is. I would rather die in my own country than die there. <laughs> and they're like, what? You can't say this. It's like, yeah, I can. I don't care anymore. I'm not going to go die because people are cretins and you've done something dangerous and stupid that we've warned you about for years. And you didn't listen. You know, you know how the Germans get. They're, they're like, oh, you're fools. <laughs> we've been uh, sending so you that, memos about what fools you are for years and you haven't read any of them so but i have that being the end of act one because we are like okay there's a there's a knock list out there and we got to go get it and presumably spyglass has it there's also a dead british spy yeah so we have act two we got uh lorraine is on a, a plane over to berlin percival wakes up in bed with a couple of naked ladies and he's kind of like tied to the bed too but he gets out of that this is in west berlin I forget what the song is. I wrote a German version of London Falling, but it's I don't think it's not London Falling. It's what's that one? It's like falling. Oh, it's you Major know, Tom. It's the Peter Schilling version of Major Tom. Okay. The original German one before uh Pete David Bowie covered it. Okay. Yeah. Um oh like oh that so oh so that was so that was a so the most famous version is a cover? Yeah, the Major Tom version is in German. Oh, okay. I did not know that. Yeah, okay. you should listen to it. You'd understand it. I don't speak German, so for me, it's like it just—it's something I read about in World War II. Well, I didn't remember that. I don't. I, don't, I guess I always remember the part of Major Tom being like Major Tom the Ground. I don't remember the like the part of it, but I guess I forgot. Uh, chauffeur picks up Lorraine. I mean, it sounds beautiful in German. Like sometimes sung German <laughs> is beautiful. Weirdly enough, it's like that's kind of cool. <laughs> but sometimes it's frightening too. It's <laughs> oh, okay. Uh, chauffeur picks up the raid at the airport, and then the the driver gives her a card for like a cafe. And then she there's another guy in the back seat. She sees a gun, and I guess you must see a Makarov or something. So I guess this is why she immediately becomes suspicious. Like, oh, I think these are Russian KGB guys, not Stasi. Yeah, uh, Soviets or whatever. Uh, so she starts attacking the guy in the car. <laughs> Uh, there's a Porsche giving chase, but it's like tinted window, so we don't know who it is. Uh, she's like fighting the guy. She kicks one guy out, and then now she's fighting the driver. She like aims the car somewhere with the steering wheel. I guess that guy's still alive, but somehow she keeps the car going in one way, and she grabs a seatbelt and holds on, and he ends up getting knocked out in the car wreck. Yeah. Because uh, uh, and then Percival comes up and like takes her away. It's a really cool scene because he like slides the Porsche sideways and then like walks it, opens the door and walks into camera. It's a really cool shot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah and she shoots at him doesn't she yeah yeah well yeah he like he like drifts the 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 porsche to do a to a stop opens the door walks into camera then starts ducking and then we cut to like the camera like like looking at the car upside down and he starts like poking his head out and she starts shooting at him and then he like has is like i have your shoe yeah <laughs> and then they grab the driver who's still like loopy from the car wreck and they throw him in the trunk of the... Actually, where the hell do they throw him in that thing? It's in the front. It's a 911, so it's the front trunk. Can you fit a person in that thing? I guess in movie world you can. 
Ah, yo, I mean, at uh, that point, yeah. he's pretty flexible. I think his arms and legs were broken, so maybe you can get him in there at that point. <laughs> yeah, I mean, oh, yeah, it's a KGB guy. Maybe he just hasn't been fed well. Yeah, yeah, those guys life. didn't eat a lot, so, yeah. Uh, so, yeah, Pers- the Percival dropped off this agent at, like, one of the, you know, somewhere. I forget. What, I wrote Stasi off. Russian, no, it's the Russian embassy. Russian embassy? <laughs> throws okay. him out in front of it. <laughs> uh, then I get, we get uh, titles, Meanwhile, in the East, and we have cops have, like, rounded up some punks to, yeah. like, scare them. They're looking for, I forget what. Like what? Are... They're looking for the guy from the Stasi with the knock list. Oh, okay. I thought this was. I thought this was like retaliation for Percival beating up that guy and leaving him at the embassy. Okay, okay. This, yeah, okay. They're looking for Spyglass. Yeah. Um, the head guy beats up like a skater while like 90, 99 red balloons, which that's wrong because it's nine on nine zig loof balloons. Loof just means air, so it's ninety nine lo- air balloons. Yeah. <laughs> But in America, they call it 99 red balloons, right? Isn't that what they, yes. they converted to? Because okay. we wouldn't call them air balloons because balloon means balloon to us. So <laughs> we would need to like predicate it with, like, it floats in the air. It's like, oh, as opposed to one you blow up in your ass? Like, what, what you know? <laughs> so, yeah, that's why they became red balloons. Okay. So, yeah, okay, I wrote, yeah, the guy's looking for spyglass. Yeah, he beats the crap out of this guy. Oh, he would killed him. He would have killed someone hitting him with a skateboard that hard. Yeah, because yeah. it's like it's one of those visceral, violent scenes to establish like bad guy, bad guy does that. <laughs> yeah. It's like beating someone to death with a five pound sledgehammer or something. It's like, oh yeah, only bad people would do that. That's <laughs> you, you, nice people would just shoot him in the head. Like, no, I want him to hurt before he dies. So, man, this is one I didn't get this guy's name because even though I had this on Amazon, and it gave like the cast member's name. It just went too fast because like everyone here has a name that has like 40 syllables yeah like, i can't write that so this is just bad stasi guy <laughs> that's brimovich this oh is, is that K- brimovich? yeah it's okay. kgb guy yeah he's working with the stasi like oh okay uniform guy okay. but that's alexander brimovich okay i did write brimovich now because some reason i thought this was like a different okay it's hard um, to keep this movie's like a really talks a lot and then like, oh, they're talking a lot. They're setting up scenes, and it's like they don't deliver. It's like, oh, okay, cool. Uh, we cut to Lorraine's at her hotel, and she's watching footage of the Berlin protests. We get Health's version of Blue Monday plays. Yep. Uh, I, I'm, a, I'm a big fan of Health. <laughs> okay. If you haven't heard their stuff, they make a lot of good stuff. They did, like, the soundtrack to Max Payne 3. Um, oh, what else? Would you, they just do cool stuff. I really like their stuff. I think that uh, I I can't remember the name of the album. I believe it's called like, oh no, that's an. I want to say Death Magnetic, but I think that's a. I think that's a uh, Metallica album. Uh, yeah, look up Hell stuff. It's cool stuff. Okay. Uh, Lorraine is picking up Gascoigne's body, and she's getting t- tailed by Sophia Botella. She's playing. Uh, that's the actor's actor's name. Uh, the character is Delphine LaSalle, which this. She was like, she was hot for like 10 years or something like that. It was like, we need a hot French chick and everything. And then I don't know what she's doing now, but she's not really in movies anymore. I mean, she's still doing stuff, but not like big stuff. Yeah, I don't know. It seemed like her last big thing was like she was the heavy in that failed mummy movie with Tom Cruise. (laughs) She was in Star Trek Beyond and Kingsman the Secret Service, but not as a big character. Oh, yeah. She has like the. Oh, yeah, she has like the knife legs in, yeah, in Kingsman, right? Right, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, she was in a bunch of stuff for like a really long time. And now I just don't see her anymore. Lorraine's talking with the 
the East Berlin uh, coroner who won't release the body because Gascoigne or she got the passport number wrong. Yeah. Which is this is played up much more in the comic book where it's like uh, Lorraine intentionally put the wrong number down because she knew the East German bureaucrats couldn't handle that and would stall and give her enough time to figure out where the list is because nobody really cares whether we get Gascoigne's body back. Or, yeah. They just want the list and they just need time to to those the route around berlin to find out where it is then we cut to lorraine's taking an ice bath again she gets out and starts attacking percival who surprises her <laughs> even though he's not trying to attack her he's just in her apartment looking looking at stuff yeah here percival claims not to know spyglass even though we saw him in a scene together so he's just lying there for you know that's just like oh now we know he's dishonest yeah he's deceptive but why <laughs> yeah uh, or you could just not trust lorraine you know yeah well, these are uh, spies. They don't trust anyone. Yeah, yeah. Even He's people in their job. own organization they don't trust. Because there's uh, always a double agent in the wind. And then Lorraine, we cut to Lorraine going to a jewelry shop. The, the jewelry shop guy, I forget who this is. He's been. He's like a famous German actor named Till Schweiger. I forget what else he's been in. But this is kind of supposed to be a big thing here. Yeah. Where it's like, oh, he's, he's like, so this jewelry shop is just a cover for like some spycraft stuff going on. So she needs access to East Berlin. She says some cryptic things, and he's like, I'll have that ready, you know, tomorrow morning, whatever. So, and we get like a flashback dream sequence of like of Lorraine's relationship with Gascoin, and then she like kind of wakes up in a sweat. So now it's like, oh, she feels guilty for for Gascoin dying, and she knows that's like, ah, oh, that'll be a weakness. <laughs> that'll haunt me now. It's like, this is not going to work. And, uh, you know, the spycraft in Berlin. Uh, then we cut to Lorraine breaks into Gascoin's apartment. Which is funny later on because like like they kind of cut back to the interview, and like they're like, you know, every other like spy agency has went through his apartment. And they're like, yeah, but I, mean, I thought I just might find something that helps. Yeah. So yeah, of course the the PlayStation has been been ransacked. Here there's only like, you got like the Stasi, you got the KGB, you got you got the CIA, but they're not represented by like a field agent. You know, you just got kind of like the manager the John Goodman character, I forget his name. And then you got the French agent, but like in the, in the comic book, they talk about like, Oh, everybody's here. There's Italian agents, there's French agents, there's Spanish agents. Everybody's here. Yeah. And there's also mention of a double agent called Satchel who they don't know who the identity of it is, but she finds a picture of Gascoigne and Percival. So like, Oh, they knew each other. Like in the pictures, like of them hunting a rabbit or something like that. Yeah. Which I don't know if that has any deeper meaning or anything. <laughs> I, yeah, I don't know. They, they, I've seen a couple of movies, and it's always like the guys who have relationships with the Russian psychonauts are like, oh, yeah, they hunted something together, which establishes <laughs> something about the character. It was like, yeah, we like to run things down in the woods and kill them that are dumber than us. So that, you know. Anything naive enough to get in our way deserves the time. <laughs> yeah, and it just establishes them as like, oh, they did bad things together. They hurt god's innocent creatures together and then, but but one of them was like they were going wolf hunting which like that's almost equal in my book <laughs> if you know anything about wolves it's like yeah if you're not smart they're just going to kill you so you better <laughs> better give them both barrels if you're gonna walk in their world you better be ready because that's not some gonna... alien versus predators yeah that's exactly it uh then the police show up and it's presumably they were they were tipped off by percival we got George Michael's father figure plays. And here why she fights off the police with like a roll of hose like tucked over her shoulder. <laughs> Which is a really cool fight scene where it's like, why she got that hose? And then 
you know, as she fights the guys one on one and she wraps one guy's like up with the hose and then she uses that to jump from the balcony to like swing down and then she like hits the door real hard and takes a takes a very long pause to get back up. It's yeah. Like, oh yeah, that sucked. Yeah, that would hurt. Just face planting into a door uh, <laughs> and using some guy's neck as the fulcrum to swing down. <laughs> and that, you know, that's why the action is really cool in this is that it's it's awkward and like you know people aren't superheroes, but here we get as close as you can. They're just having her be like, okay, that's clever. And they do have her like she got, you know, she gets off, dusts herself off, and tries to walk away like nothing happened. But then there's a couple more guys down there, and I don't understand this. She like puts like she has like turtleneck up to block her face to fight the guys, presumably I guess to like hide her identity. And then she beats the guys up, puts it down, and walks away. Like I, don't know, I guess that was just to look cool. There was like no point to it. Yeah, she's not continuing the yeah. Then we cut to the apartment where Lorraine is like putting a wire on over lingerie. Yeah, I guess he got Charlie's Theron. He might as well have her be sexy and everything. So. Yeah. Uh, she goes to Percival's. It's like a warehouse full of contraband that he's just like selling around and getting information with and everything. <laughs> he's even like, do you want some blue jeans? Yeah. Um, I like how earlier always... in the movie he was trying to pass off like American Jack Daniels is like, it's the best whiskey in the world. <laughs> it's like no one in Europe thinks that, you know, and the, <laughs> I don't know. There's, I don't know. There's still something. There's still something that like people around the world like about like American whiskey, even though you can get better whiskey all over the world. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's kind of like it. Ah, it's like whiskey. It's like the old west. It's like saloon yeah. doors, and this is what the guys drank before they shot everyone. It's like now they're drinking different stuff before they shoot everyone. But yeah, or, or maybe. Or maybe it's just like, or maybe it's just really a reliable whiskey where it's like, it's not the best, but you always know what you're getting. Yeah, that's true. I mean, there's nothing wrong with Jack Daniels, but it's no. like, I just, uh, yeah. Got to get that Johnny Walker blue label. Yeah. <laughs> that's my jam. But it's not actually because I can't afford that. So, <laughs> well, isn't there even one tier higher? Is there like a Johnny Walker black label or something? It's like a thousand dollars. It's, well, green label okay yeah because you got red is the basic black is the upgrade then blue and i think then green i'm not sure don't scream at me everyone <laughs> because i'm not a connoisseur of 500 bottles of scotch do i look like a 500 bottle of scotch guy is anyone you know <laughs> but yeah i've always heard tale of the of the blue jean thing which i don't necessarily get of like people i've heard tale of like multiple tales of like like exchange students coming to america and then just like buying out buying all the blue jeans they can get yeah because i don't know why like they're made better or they just couldn't get them in europe for some reason i don't know what it is uh there was just something about blue jeans in european i think denim was kind of a unique textile to the american south because there's a lot of cotton down there which you know it's like yeah. the civil war and stuff um but yeah I, I don't i don't and i think like yeah we have like a lot of crazy brand recognition over here we did it at that time more maybe than now but yeah because at one time it's like oh yeah to get american stuff especially like blue jeans like that's that's all americana culture stuff yeah like, all the cool people in movies wore blue jeans you know <laughs> in the 50s and then cowboys and it's like so that must be something you know like that but it's also was a lot of people in eastern europe and balkanized countries loved it because it was just probably a quality product that was practical <laughs> too because yeah. they just didn't have access to that I don't care if it was an Adidas jumper or a pair of Levi's blue jeans. If you lived in East Germany, you didn't have access to that. And you couldn't wear it publicly because it's like, where did you get that? 
you know, that's, yeah. that's against the party, you know, or whatever. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah, I thought it was fun. They had the IndyCar race last week in Nashville, uh, Tennessee. So, like, a lot of IndyCars, it's, like, foreign guys. So they have, like, all these, like, kind of, like, cow cowboy boots and, like, you know, Stetson hat shops there where they make, like, custom stuff. And, like, it looks awesome. And, like, these, you know, these guys are spending, like, $3,000 on a hat and stuff like that. So that's a cool hat, man. This French cowboy looks more American than me. It's like, this is crazy. Why is that? It's like, well, he has $5,000 to spend on a pair of boots. Oh, okay. Okay. Which I, I guess it, I didn't learn to like, I don't know, like two years ago what the actual practicality of a cowboy boot was. Because I'm like, why do people wear these? And it's because it's like the thing is, there's no laces on it. And so like if you fall off your horse, your shoe, you don't get caught in your shoe that's yeah. stuck to the horse. It gets pulled off. Yep. So you're not dragged with your horse. And so it's like, it's like, well, I also see because uh, it always looked like it's uncomfortable or weird to walk around in like you're walking in high heels or something. And. But I guess it's also just like, hey, man, you just slip those on. You don't got tire, you don't got tire shoes or anything like that. It comes from Spain. That's that's where they invented those. That's like a it's from huh. Spain. It was it was like something that became American later. Yeah. But it's like, yeah, it's just it's just a pair of of or like well, because you got to remember at one time like making shoes like oh they weren't punching a lot of little holes in leather to to tie up laces because those are just failure points. It's yeah. like it's only later with like metal rivets and stuff that you could actually make lace up shoes is before you had to make stuff that just slid on and fit well and that you could walk for miles and miles in if you had to. Now everything's like it's like designed by computers with all kinds of, you know. Yeah, but like a cowboy boat's still a thing. And it's like th these guys aren't riding horses. They're yeah. hopping in their truck. No, it's just <laughs> I'm like and I and for every you know cowboy boot thing i've seen i was like that seemed like i would just make driving your car your truck harder rather than easier but whatever i guess you gotta live the style so yeah i don't know like i said i'm a sneakers guy i'm a midwest sneakers guy um, <laughs> or work boots i can't even do work boots anymore they hurt my feet so so i always learned that percival's been at the station for 10 years and then yeah wrote like gone native yeah. which basically means you know, he just enjoys being a sort of a recluse in this area i mean he's Apparently do good enough work that they keep him there. So he's feeding the British some information that they need. Oh, he's a mad lad. Yeah, but he's doing good work for him. Because <laughs> apparently his job for MI6 is to sow chaos and spy if possible. Yeah. Which seems like an anachronistic thing for a spy. It's like, oh, be a chaotic figure. It's like, no, if you're a spy, you're supposed to be an invisible figure. But okay, <laughs> whatever. Uh, then we have uh, we cut to Lorraine goes to the cafe that she got from the guys that picked her up at the airport. It's here she talks to Alexander Bremovich. We also got Don't Turn Around. I, I can't remember what the song's called, but it's like the commissars in town. Uh oh, but it's like the German version of it. Yeah. <laughs> okay. It's a different version of it. It's uh, basically the guys from Falco and somebody else covered it. Okay. Oh, is another? Is this another uh, German original got covered? Okay. Yeah. Uh, I didn't even know most of that stuff. So Delphine shows up saying that like, three's a crowd and basically like dismisses Alex out of there. I don't know why he'd be scared of her, but whatever. Because <laughs> I don't even really know what Brumovich was necessarily doing there. I guess just meeting her, I guess. I'm not yeah. sure. But here we were on that Delphine is a French spy. And we're back. And we're back. Yeah, smoke break. Uh, first time in 10 years. No, I'm kidding. I'm not smoking again, everyone. <laughs> Don't worry, everyone. Everyone who's following my health journey, I'm not smoking again. I can't afford it. Do you know what a pack of cigarettes costs here now? 
Uh, $30? No, no, not 30 12 Okay. 12 okay. bucks for a pack of Marby Reds. The old cowboy killers. And I smoke the, like, the cools because I'm cool. Um, and I like to crystallize my lungs. But, yeah. No, I thought it was fun. No I was, smoke there, was a huge, there was a huge line at the gas station the other day. Inside, not at, like, the pumps. Because there's only one register open. And there's, like, three employees around. But that's fine because it's... It was a quick star, so it's like, well, that guy's like a chef, and that guy's like a bathroom attendant, so it's like yeah. they're not necessarily all, all checkout people. Yeah, they're not qualified to run the cash machine, nor would they <laughs> let their parolees handle cash. Uh, I don't know. Quick stars, uh, I don't know if you have them there. They kind of popped up all over the place, but they're really good at keeping bathrooms clean, and they have a lot of a good variety inside their stores, but they can get busy. So Now, here we um, have um, Speedway. And we've got a bunch of swarthy people from uh, angry countries that always look at you like, I slit your belly open. It's like, whoa, I just want a, like a coffee. It's like, uh, no cream and sugar. Okay, that's what we got here. We don't have like the concierge bathroom attendant <laughs> stuff. Oh, yeah, they had a long line, and the person running the cash register was like, you know, 19 or something like that. And the guy was getting cigarettes, which made the transaction even longer because it's like, well, that's the only place you can get cigarettes. And because the person's 19 it's like oh yeah like kids don't really smoke anymore or they smoke something different so they don't know what packs of cigarettes are what or, or what this guy specifically wants like i want some marlboro 100 reds it's like excuse me what sir you know the 100s i'm a rich guy i want the 15 a pack you know with the long filters marlboro 100 so i don't get cancer oh yeah those you don't want the marlboro 72s which are what they used to call sailor cut where they have the short filters so you can die sooner because you just have a miserable life. So, uh, see, so yeah, we got uh, we cut to the jewelry shop. Lorraine's there. She gets an envelope. It's left on the table. It's got like a passport and a watch in it. And also, we cut to like Percival's outside. He has the shop bugged because I guess he's diligent or whatever. So, yeah, <laughs> you know, he's a spy, so he's appropriately paranoid. <laughs> but it's another thing that like wasn't really explained to us. It's just like, oh, this is happening. He's also like, and he's while he's listening, he like takes off his cast. That's where it's like, wait, is his arm broken at all, or is that just like a cover, or is that just so he can hit people harder? Like, what's going on here? Yeah. <laughs> so she, she, yeah, she gets a passport and she gets a watch and she dismantles the watch, which has clues on it, which like seems cool, but is ultimately pointless. <laughs> yeah, I was hoping for more of a payoff for like, oh, is this gonna be like the microfilm in the watch, like from the old days, or? No, it's just I mean, like she a has like, clue watch. Yeah, it's like there's like numbers and stuff etched onto gears, which coordinates to like some sort of map of East Berlin and tells her where to go, which is like kind of neat, but just seems like that's a lot of <laughs> that's a lot of work. For yeah. That. <laughs> you know, have this guy he's going to like mark up some <laughs> mark up a Rolex, <laughs> but it does establish a thing like, oh, watch watches in this universe have information. So you know it gets that across i guess so yeah lorraine crosses over into east berlin here she's wearing like more plain clothes you know because you got to go to the poor east berlin berlin side yeah don't wear your levi's don't wear your dark <laughs> levi's over there that's like i wrote stalker posters in the background yeah but that's not just a quick shot there's more stalker to come uh so she's getting stale so one thing i, I liked this. about this movie is like oh they've got stalker in it a lot <laughs> 
Uh, I wrote she's getting towed by the Stasi, or is this just KGB guys? Both sure. generic. Oh, okay. KG Stasi at this point. <laughs> uh, so, so she's getting tailed. So she hops in the theater to try to lose a tail, and there. So it's just like a stalker retrospective because there's like displays of stalker memorabilia. You go into the theater, stalkers playing. So it's just. Uh, they're playing. I'm not sure which scenes they're playing. I think this one is the one where they're like throwing the the nuts with the like tied off bows on it across the sand in that you know cancer cavern they had in the movie or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> it's the most iconic scene from Stalker. Yeah, because because on my Facebook, like usually my uh, like background picture over my face is like a scene from Stalker. <laughs> I try to pick different ones, but yeah, that's always. So it's like I immediately vectored in on that in this movie. It's like, oh, a movie within a movie. Or it's like <laughs> a movie I actually enjoy. Yeah, I'm not sure if this has any deeper meaning or if it's just like the director or somebody is like, oh, this would be a cool movie to be shown in the background. This is what they'd show in East Germany because it's like Soviet <laughs> cinema from the 80s and they'd show it in the late 80s. And, <laughs> and everyone pretends to be an intellectual like me when they watch it. It's like, oh, I'm yeah. smart, therefore I get this movie, you know. <laughs> I'm the king of pseudo intellectuals. So. <laughs> uh, she's like hiding in the the audience for a bit, and the guys are moving around. She moves away from them. Uh, she goes through like a coat, like uh, checkout plate, like where they hang their coats, and she like steals some keys, some keys from the coat. And then she ends up like in the back, and she's like fighting behind the movie screen. She dispatches one guy, but then she comes up against a bigger guy. And this is the guy that she stabs in the face with keys and the keys are like hanging from his face for like most of the fight, which is funny. It's like, that's not a priority for him. Don't, no. don't pull the keys out of your face just yet. He's doing the Liam Neeson from the gray thing where he's going to break bottles between his fingers so he can like fight the wolves because now <laughs> he has claws too, but she's doing it with keys. And yeah. He's just going to let the key hang out of his face because he's so on mission. He's like, I'm not going <laughs> to notice this thing like that could be punched and actually like breach my jaw and cause a lot more pain. It's like, no, I'm not going to immediately pull the key out of my face. Cause it looks cool. And it shows what a badass I am. Cause, <laughs> cause I'm so, I'm so like vectored in on the mission. I'm not going to notice like puncture wounds to my cheek. <laughs> and even though like we had the encounter with the police and she won, like she still had to take an ice bath after that. Cause like she got, she got beat up by a lot of guys. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, you know, taking like, because uh, like all the police had like batons, which, uh, you know, the thing is like why she isn't a superhero. Like she beats up people because she's good at blocking. That doesn't mean she's free from damage. She's yeah. not a superhero. <laughs> yeah, this isn't like the Matrix where she's just blocking every like punch and not moving her head. It's like, no, she's taking damage, but it's not like debilitating until later. Yeah. It's like that's when the wound sets in. But here, yeah, she she's getting beat up by this guy. Um, yeah, he, this guy's, like, kicking the shit out of her. Like, she is <laughs> actually, like... Again, this is the movie where the rules are no concussions. <laughs> um, and this guy can throw character. a punch, because I'm assuming he's, like, a stunt guy in Germany or whatever. Yeah. It's like, you can tell this guy knows how to fight. He's not <laughs> connecting, of course, because it's a movie. Because if he connected with her one time in real life, she would be like, okay... <laughs> take me in <laughs> well i think no i think i think a lot of this movie is like this guy this director built action scenes for misogynists who couldn't believe a woman could give or take a punch yeah i think this is like as realistic it's like yeah she's not like 
she's smaller than all the guys she's fighting usually i don't know some of them might be like people who haven't eaten for a couple of days so you know maybe she's getting the upper hand on them but she's not invincible she thinks her way out of it she uses her her environment well and she always has something to fight with she's not purely just fist to cuff guy after guy like no she's using different things to her advantage so that like a guy who can't believe a woman could beat up a man could like okay well well she okay and you know she hits him with a frying pan that's okay but (laughs) well no me i'm evaluating this because i know how many hits i can take and it's like two it's like i can take one to the body one to the head and then i'm like oh this i'm shooting you now <laughs> uh, i don't look at it as a woman it's just like oh no this guy knows how to hit and i just put myself in her position like that would hurt like <laughs> yeah. I, I would be like my vision would be doubled at that point if yeah. i took a shot like that <laughs> so, uh, but i mean she's not trying to, she'd rather just leave than fight this guy yeah and yeah she, she like had a gun she would shoot psycho. the guy but yeah. she doesn't have a gun because uh, she has no support. <laughs> and this isn't America either, where there's like, oh, just look in shoeboxes, there's Glocks. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's like immediate. But no, I, I think, but they're like, you know, this movie does like, you. they spend time in this movie that like, all these fights take a toll. It's just, she's not a superhero. Yeah. Because there's a lot of movies that, that do that, where it's like, they tried to like correct things from the past where you just had a damsel in distress. Well, it's like, now the damsel's the fighter. And it's like, and then like, Oh, okay. Well, yeah, you need to be a fighter now. It's like, and then she's is just a superhero person. Uh, she can take all the hits and no damage, and she can throw three hundred pound men around like nothing. And and she's not a superhero. She's just a woman you want to be like cool, which that's fine in a lot of respects. But then of course you know like you get like these these uh, d- dope misogynists who just like ah this is woke. <laughs> well, see that's what but, I appreciate about the Road Warrior. Okay, he takes a shot in the leg in Mad Max, and in the Road Warrior, he still has that polio <laughs> brace on, because if you get shot in the leg, it's not healing up like in in, yeah. a, in, in a two hours. It's like, oh no, you're going to be walking with the polio brace for years. And I like movies like that, whereas as opposed to these movies where people beat the shit out of each other, and then two scenes later they're like. They're like Muhammad Ali walking into the <laughs> ring. It's like, no, no, that sucks. It's like, I mean, but but, that was also, you know, these that was, that these was, people have been hit a few times. If you're a stunt guy, you've been hit a few times. But this is like also a clever thing because like, you know, you know, the same guys, that, the misogynist guys that love Die Hard. And Die Hard, he's running away from people. He takes damage in every fight and is represented throughout the entire movie. Yeah. he He does not want to fight people. And... But because they really like Bruce Willis, they just don't see him as a coward. Yeah. Even though he's not a coward, he's like, I'm outnumbered. I can't fight these guys. Yeah. <laughs> like he. No, to, when like, they show it. people like in, it's like let's take the John Wick movies, just because because this has a connection to that. Yeah, yeah. When they show people fighting him, where they're just like firing out of both guns, like into the walls and shit. It's like, that's exactly what I would do because this is a terrifying situation I can't master. 
And it's like, I either have to kill this guy or get him to take cover long enough so I can get to a place of safety. Now, where John Wick gets stupid is people keep charging at this guy and no one takes cover. It's like, no, I'm immediately taking cover. But, yeah, I am holding the AK like this over the top (laughs) because that's that's making a lot of noise and potentially doing a lot of damage so I can get out of that situation, not so I can continue to press forward. That is for lunatics to do, not me. <laughs> so you know, but also like this is just a this is just a trope of action movies where like you fight a succession of guys. Like, yeah, there's just a bunch of guys. You want to show how badass they are is that they can fight off multiple guys, which I don't know. I don't have any movie. I don't have any thing off the top of my head of that of this occurring in real life. No, it's like I've never one person fought their way through like an entire gang and lived (laughs) i mean the closest thing you get to this is like the north hollywood shootout in reality and those guys were just on an insane amount of drugs and had like homemade basically armor to where it's like oh you could shoot me as many times as you want with your nine millimeter handgun i'm not gonna feel it because i'm on drugs and i've made homemade tactical armor it's like that's real. That like that that really happened. Like you can point yeah. to a realistic situation where these guys were drugged out of their minds, had fully automatic weapons and impenetrable armor, but <laughs> the police thought their way through it. It's like we're going to the gun store and getting deer hunting rifles, and we're going to shoot <laughs> these guys in the head. And it's like that's what really happened. That's how it ended. And so yeah, that's like that's like the but but in the real world, it doesn't take five minutes. It takes like an hour. It's like oh problem think 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 solution that doesn't involve me taking a face full of ak-47 it's like no one's doing that in real life it's and i've seen some stuff where it's like bully situations where it's like some kid in high school like took some mma classes and for some reason people decided to bully him yeah uh, because he's the loner taking mma classes or something and you know he knocks one guy out in the chin he goes down immediately and then the other his friends rush him and then he like picks up a guy and tosses him on the ground and then the other friends see oh he just incapacitated two people i'm not fighting yeah this is dumb (laughs) this is dumb without weapons (laughs) and take it from me i'm the guy who was like the height and size i am now in seventh grade like i grew very quickly but I knew the little squirrely guys that knew that like, there was an MMA wasn't a thing then, but like the karate guys that could do like, Oh, spin kicks from the floor. Like that would just knock you out. It's like, I never f- with those guys. Cause like <laughs> he knows more about fighting than me. Cause he studied fighting. I will grab an ax hand. I'm more like the, um, what was that movie like pale rider with Clint Eastwood where he took the ax handle and swung it around and incapacitated people. It's like, that makes sense to me. I could see that <laughs> happening. Cause it's like, you just got to go from one guy to the next to the next, but you're using like a piece of hickory, not your hands or your feet. <laughs> I don't understand that kind of fighting, but I knew the kid in high school that could do that. That was five feet tall. And I knew he could like, Oh, he's just going to spin kick me and knock me out. So I'm going to be his friend. I didn't pick on people in school <laughs> because I was like, oh, I'm fascinated with you. Like, oh, th- tell me about your journey to a black belt where you can throw a kick like that, but you can't drive a car. I knew a guy like that. <laughs> it was like he could beat everyone's ass, but he was so dyslexic. He couldn't do his right foot and his left foot right to drive a car. And I had a stick shift, and he's he was, like, challenged by that. 
he's like, oh, I can, I'm a black belt in karate. I can beat anyone's ass, but I can't drive a regular car, let alone a stick shift. So we went out and tried it. And I was like, you know, uh, you know, left foot clutch, right foot brake, you know, gas. I showed him all this. He couldn't figure it out, but this guy could literally do like a flying kick. (laughs) And it's like, why can't you figure this out? It's like, this is dumb. But that was always my magic superpower is like operating machinery. It's like, I got this. I'm your guy. You want to throw a kick from the floor? It's like, not me. No, this guy. Go ask him. So, yeah, those people always fascinated me because they were as strong as their weakness. It's like, oh, he could kill a room full of guys with kicks, but he couldn't drive the getaway car. <laughs> that's why you have a getaway driver. You know, you yeah, that, that's why I'm sitting in the Escort, the 1980 <laughs> Escort. It's like, okay, you're ready to get away now? Well, I'll put it in gear. <laughs> And dad had to like yell at me to teach me how to do it. Cause I was too stupid to do a stick shift at first either. But then it's like, well, this is what you're going to drive. So then I could drive yeah, I a had, stick shift. I just had trial by fire. And you know, it's always a thing where it's like, once you figure it out, you think anybody can figure it out. And, and then you try teaching somebody. It's like, Oh wait, this is a nightmare. <laughs> well, I figured out that I can't teach anybody. <laughs> Cause that's like the thing with like the forklifts at work. It's like, Oh, you're good at this. You should teach people. It's like, Oh no, <laughs> no, <laughs> I tried. And it's like, you can't yell at people. It's like, why they're not trying. They're obviously not trying. It's like, uh, I'm giving them all the information. They're not learning. <laughs> well, I mean, the, thing, the hardest thing with stick shift is just getting it to gear, especially on a hill. Cause like, yeah. it's just, it's that whole, it's like, we got to like kind of let off, you got to let off the clutch and push on the gas. <laughs> if you don't give enough gas, you stall out. And if we give it too much gas, it just feels very weird and the car will shake. <laughs> and you'll smell a weird smell because the clutch will be burning because you went into it too high. It's more of, it's more of an art than a science. Yeah, I can't yeah. explain it. I'm glad I learned how to drive a stick shift because, you know, it's like I felt like after that, it's like, well, yeah, bulldozer. Okay, pull this lever for this, you know. I, I just think it's funner. You're more, it's more involved in the car. Yeah, it's fun to like, you know, I'm going at this speed. I'm turning this corner. What gear do I need to be in to accelerate out of this corner and stuff like that? Um, yeah, I miss mostly it. A, <laughs> I still have a stick shift, so yeah. I can't I get them. Some. The, the only thing that has a stick shift, any because it used to be like the really cheap cars, manual transmission. Yeah. And for years, that's what I had. And now it's like, no, only the really expensive cars, manual transmission. Like, Well, not even that. Like, your supercars have the paddle shifters. Yeah, so. that, that sucks. I've had um, one of those. Those are terrible. Not a supercar, but a car with those shifters. And it's like, yeah. it's not fun. <laughs> um, but there's still like, I don't know, there's like weird. There's like, there's like Toyotas and Hondas where it's like, here's our rally car stick shift. Yeah. And it's like, oh, that's cool. They still make that. But the car is like $50,000. Yeah, that's the problem. <laughs> For a car that's not really, it's expensive and it's not utilitarian. <laughs> yeah, it's not practical. Don't get me wrong. Being in second gear and having the rev limiter while I'm going around the corner, like, you know, that would be cool as shit. I would love that. But there's no like, oh, the milk's coming home. You know, we're, we're like, I got a co-pilot here. It's like easy left, hard right, break, break, break. You know, I want that experience, but it's like, yeah, there's nowhere in my life that that happens. Yeah. It's it's just, I just, I live in the, the suburbs where it just sucks the soul out of your body. But you do have great equity in your home when you retire. I don't know. So this large German man throws her through the screen. 
But like, oh, I forgot there's an alarm pulled, so the you know the, the theater's empty, so there's not like a gasp when she flies through the screen. Yeah. Um. He also like kind of like triumphantly walks through the hole in the screen, takes the keys out of his cheek, and then she's just gone. <laughs> so it was weird. It's like, yeah, I don't understand like the 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 ball sack display this guy has to have. Like he walks through the screen with his chest puffed out. Like I did something. It's like okay, number one, you beat up a woman. Number two, your quarry is gone. Like the person you were here to capture has now fled. So I wouldn't be strutting around like you're the first man who had sex. You know, it's like you didn't accomplish a whole lot. Uh, then we cut to it's like a rooftop somewhere. Lorraine loses her tail and meets with her contact, uh, Merkel, played by Bill Skarsgård. Like, I don't know, maybe other people. His most famous thing is he's like the new It movie. He plays It. Yeah. Um, he's, he's part of the family of, of scars guards right is he a part of it okay maybe, maybe i don't of, know i think there's like two <laughs> trees of scar guards or something. are these like the baldwins of sweden where there's just like kind a of. bunch of them okay because i know that there's like peter scars guard alexander scars guard those are the most famous and then he might be a part of the family i'm not sure or it's a, it's a weird like, enough name where it's like they have to be related. <laughs> are they related or is it like the Smith of Sweden? I don't know. I don't know anything don't, about Sweden. I don't know. It's kind of like, you know, yeah, there's a lot of famous bald ones, but then there's like the one bald one that's not a bald one. Oh, the guy from like Firefly? Yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> I'm not that bald one, but I have man parts. My most famous <laughs> character was Jane, but I got guy parts, you know. <laughs> Which he's actually, on, he's like, not that dumb, but he plays a character that dumb in Firefly. Um, well, he's he was Animal Mother in uh, Full Metal Jacket, right? Oh yeah, what was his famous <laughs> line? I can't say it. Never mind. <laughs> Watch the movie Full Metal Jacket. Great movie. I'm not going to talk about. Probably cell won't anemia. do that here. Yeah, I'm it's not a gonna... Stanley Kubrick movie. It doesn't need really explanation or or touting as like, oh, this was uh, a long. This was a forgotten and misunderstood movie. Yeah, yeah. Please let let's like some uneducated mis Midwestern factory worker extol the virtues of you know Stanley Kubrick to you. That's what you're tuning in for. Uh, Merkel's like I, don't know, I wrote he's some kind of revolutionary or something. They're talking about like I guess they're like near like the Stasi office or something like that. And it's like why would you be so close to the enemy? It's like ah because I can it's easier to watch him or something like that. Do you know what he's supposed to be or what he is? Uh, he's he's basically, he seems like he's the, like, um, uh, what do you call it? Like, uh, the assistant of the main character. Like, he's always in on the plans. Okay. Of, um, of uh, you know, Lorraine, the Charlize Theron character. Because throughout the movie, she'll say, like, is this ready? Is that ready? He's like, yeah, of course, you know. But so he's like, I'm assuming he's an MI6 Based on how the movie ends, I don't know. CIA oh, okay. guy, I don't know who he is, but because... oh, I thought he was supposed to be like an East German guy who was like fighting against the the KGB or whatever. Well, he stuff. might be that too, but I assume I don't know which organization he represents. Um, <laughs> or he could just be a Swedish agent hanging out there. Yeah, he just because at some point, at their later point, they use it as getaway where he has like the ambassador's car, which like maybe he's like the Swedish ambassador or something. The most badass <laughs> Swedish ambassador that's ever existed. <laughs> I'm not just here to sell you guns. I believe in freedom. 
So yeah, she meets him on the roof. He's got like some weird device. I can't remember he's you know, doing something. He's got tech. He's so he's like kind of seen as the tech guy. Um, some ultra though, high frequency something. Yeah. 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 Yeah, there's not really a whole lot of tech in this movie, so but it's eighties tech, which to us looks strange. Clunky. <laughs> yeah, but they don't use any cool spy stuff. No, really. no, no. There's a computer playing Tetris and then somebody has a Walkman. <laughs> yeah. Which a Walkman at this point would have been out for like uh, would that come out in like seventy nine or something like that? Yeah, I mean I started seeing uh, uh, human beings could afford normal humans could afford them in like eighty five. Okay. I think that's when I had one because I remember they took four batteries and they lasted like two hours. So, <laughs> Dad, I need more batteries. What? It's like, no, <laughs> books on tape, Dad. Uh, then we cut to uh, Bakhtin shows up at the jewelry shop to give a message that he's open for business, implying that he has the list and it's up for sale. And we cut to Lorraine. She's like reviewing all her wire, the wiretap she had on her, and here she then she heads off to the club to meet Delphine. In the comic book. Uh, the Delphine role is played by a man. He's just a you know French, you know French you know spy who's being suave. Is he a but sexual here, spy in the comic, or is he yeah, just yeah. a spy? Yeah, oh, okay. have, he's a sex spy. Okay. Uh, I mean, they have like a sexual encounter, but she just pulls a gun on him to like she's just using the, the to get a to get the gun from him. She doesn't actually have sex with him. Oh. Here, that's that, that's you know like oh she gets the gun from him, but then they just actually have sex and here. But in the book, it's just like. Um, Lorraine's just doing that to uh, suss the situation out, to get close to them, <laughs> physically get close to them. But also in the in the comic book, he like he like has real estate, like he owns a restaurant in Berlin, in West wow. Berlin, which is kind of weird. It's like, what a spy owns real estate in the place he's spying on. That seems kind of weird. <laughs> yeah, well, it's French, so maybe you know. Yeah, man. Also, like in the background at the club, there's like a remix of Politics of Dancing plays. Here, uh, Delphine kisses Lorraine, and they kind of head off to go have sex. They make out in the back. Here, Lorraine takes a gun off of Delphine and then just puts it to her head and holds her up and interrogates her. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so she, here, uh, Delphine reveals that she knows who Lorraine is, that like she's an MI6 spy, and she knows like the Russians know who she is. And basically, she's like, revealing all, everything that's going on here. But... Uh, She's also like new to the spy game. She's only done this for a year, and she's also like scared because she says Berlin's never been this dangerous before. Because um, there is something in the book, and it's not really applied here, but like in the book, they're like, "Yeah, the spy craft, you know, it can be deadly, but mostly everybody keeps a middle distance, so there's no there's no swings of reaction. It's yeah. like, oh no, they got the information, but there's not like tons of bodies and like things in the news going on all the time. No." Whereas here, there's like the bodies are starting to pile up, stuff is showing up in the news. Like it's never been like this before. People are getting crazy. <laughs> they don't juxtapose that that's what's going on here. You're just imp what's implied in the movie is that Berlin's a crazy place and crazy things happen. So, well, there was something during the Cold War called like Berlin Rules, which it was never codified into something I can give you in a list, but it was basically like the war between good and evil. It's like well, God can't do anything because if God does something, then Satan can react with an equal amount of force. Yeah. And, and those were th that was sort of the Berlin rules. Like, okay, you don't kill KGB assets or MI6 or CIA assets also get killed. Like, it was kind of a balance of power. Uh, there was actually there's actually been books written about it. It was never 
I don't know if it's a formal thing. It's just something that sounds cool. And I like the biblical reference, too. So it's like that's <laughs> it's like, yeah, you don't kill the other guy's people because then they kill your people in retaliation. And then that escalates until I don't know what nuclear war. I, I mean, I'm not sure, but. But I mean, even that, isn't that like the thing in like Bridge of Spies? It's like you don't kill these people because you can trade assets. You keep them yeah. alive. And then like their own country might kill them. But you don't kill them. <laughs> yeah, it's 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 an economy of knowledge. It's like okay, they're worth more alive than dead, and yeah, it's 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 like uh, it's almost it's almost like buying into gold. It's like well, when do you get out of the market? Like never, because it's just it's infinite in, uh, in increase in value. So, and like you may just like, and if you capture a spy, like you don't even need to like interrogate them necessarily. You just let the other side squirm on thinking about like. Well, what do they know now? Yeah. And like, they might not know anything, <laughs> but the threat is there. They might know something. Yeah. I mean, that was the, I mean, that's, that, that's the danger of like double agents. And it's a game we played, the British played, the Russians played, uh, you, the British and the Russians had more uh, style than we did because I mean, everything I've read about the real like spy game is like, well, the CIA was the master of electronic like tech like yeah the cia was way better than that than the british uh, because we had the money and way better at than the russians because we had the technology but they were better at like manipulating people we didn't exactly put as much uh effort into that because it's like well people are just going to lie to you six different ways so why try it's better to tap their international cables and send the navy seals in to do that <laughs> and then we can verify all their lies or refute them uh, but the British and the uh, the Russians did, had a much uh, more refined dance than we did. We were always Americans are um, very uh, goal orientated. It's like we want results. <laughs> we're not doing this for the sake of art. We want something to happen. I have a data sheet. Put the data in the sheet. Yeah, it's it's it's, it's, it's all everything's business in America. It's it's it even you know the spy game. It's like okay, what are we getting per dollar? And that sounds ridiculous, but at the end of the day, we won. It's like, yeah, it works. It's not eloquent. You know, you don't get to play Mozart or, you know, and, and stare out at a river and lament, like, the death of civilization. It's like, no, it's all numbers, but it works. So after uh, Lorraine puts, puts a gun to her head, they go back to kissing after she's like, oh, okay, she's cool. Then they smash cut to them having sex in bed. Yeah. Then we cut back to the overall interrogation. I forget, like gray says something that's like that's like a sexual innuendo it's like ah so you finished then yeah <laughs> and he seems kind of like embarrassed or whatever <laughs> like i don't know if she actually described a sex scene with this lady or if that's just you know because we're cutting to this that's easily implied to the audience well that's the that actor too that uh the guy's name's like james faulkner he's a british actor but he has this crazy voice uh he he's like the guy behind toby jones in the room who's kind of asking questions but he he talks like this and it's <laughs> it's always like it's kind of like a east london accent but it's also like he's saying very grim things uh he, he's the guy behind the guy he's like um uh, what's that guy from game of thrones like charles dance he's one of those guys yeah. He's like, yeah, of course I'm in charge and I run everything. And, you know, it's so he's always <laughs> talking like that. His name's James Faulkner. If you hear the voice, you know the guy. And yeah, 
And so this is like, this is what we imagine MI6 is like. <laughs> it's like, God, I hope these British guys are in charge of everything because we sure don't know what the f*** is going on. <laughs> or we do. Yeah. Uh, I'm not sure if this is the moment where like, they reload the recorder or something. That might be later. But we well, come they're back actually to Del- doing something with the reel-to-reel recorder where they pull on the tape and it sounds distorted for a second. <laughs> so they're like, you know, implying that reality is now being distorted <laughs> because these two women had sex and were all weirded <laughs> out by it because we're British people and sex doesn't exist. And you know, oh yeah, I guess I guess in the '80s, like being gay would be super weird. I mean, it's like being a a lesbian was more acceptable, but even then it would still be like, uh-oh. <laughs> I don't, those two chicks being gay, even in the 80s, I think everyone would be like, yeah, you know, I don't I don't think people would be horrified by that. Yeah, I mean, it's always Or they pretend to be less, horrified by that. Yeah. Because yeah. um, we all know that's hot, so. Yeah, yeah. That's why it's in the movie. Yeah. I don't need to explain get, that. Yeah, you get two of the hottest ladies in the world and have them have sex. That's cool. Yeah. <laughs> This should sell tickets, but it didn't. Um, yeah, now if actually, like Michael Fassbender and some other beautiful guy were doing that, we'd be like, oh, there was an icky scene in the movie. <laughs> but that's because we're not gay, so it's, like, it's all whatever you're into. Uh, like, come back to the them in bed. Delphine starts to say something about Percival, but she kind of like hushes her up and thinking that, oh, there's, this place is bugged, and she turns up the, uh, the music, which we have Voices Carrie plays, which that will play later on, too. Which is um, actually a very cool song for your being bugged. <laughs> um, and then Delph or Delphine whispers something about Percival to Lorraine that we don't hear. Yeah. So that'll be something to cut back to later on. And also, we cut to Percival is listening in on Lorraine. He's also like messing with his 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 cast again, and he pulls like an ice pick out of it. And Bakhtin like walks up behind him and is like. If he's like mad at him for something, but he's like wants to work with him or two. But then here he just kills Bacton, just stabs him in the head, uh, takes Gascoigne's watch back through the forehead uh, with an ice pick, which <laughs> would be very hard to do. <laughs> the thickest ice part trained. of his skull, yeah, yeah. He, he knows where the fontanelle is. <laughs> he knows that as a baby, his soft spot didn't close up. It's like. That. <laughs> Driving uh, an ice pick through somebody's skull would be like, yeah, go pick a rock out of your garden and just stab at it. Because, <laughs> But for the movie, it looks cool. That's why um, No Country for Old Men was frightening, because it's like, that's how you go through a skull with something that isn't a gun. It's like you, know, you use a captive bolt weapon with an yeah. air tank. It's like, I think he had a breathing problem. It's like, no, he's a psychopath who <laughs> uses a cattle gun. Uh, to kill people uh so yeah he takes Gascoigne's watch back and he thinks he had the list is on there uh we cut to lorraine meets with meets with kurtzfeld at, at the berlin wall here like kurtzfeld like talks about like all the stuff that's going on over there to keep people in and he's like and there's still fifty thousand people fled over here <laughs> which is where i figured out where the movie was going because it became it's like oh why is the cia talking to mi6 in an obvious vulgar overhanded manner and he's handing her a a newspaper which is a classic like spy handoff thing it's like oh she's really working for him (laughs) and also because it's john goodman it's like you didn't hire him to do a bit part (laughs) 
I mean, he's not in the movie a lot, but he makes you know he he stands out when he's yeah yeah. John Goodman's cool. You know, he's he's always the best guy, especially in roles like this, because he's always like he's really jolly now because he lost a lot of weight. I guess he quit drinking or something. So he's just kind of instead of the guy in Roseanne, he's like this jolly guy who's like very um, exasperated with everyone around him. <laughs> like, don't you know what the f- is going on? <laughs> um, so here he warns of like the death toll that's going to happen if the list gets out. So they just like reiterate that. Yeah, again. Yeah, I forget. He, he hands her some stuff. I don't, can't even remember what it's for or what it does. It Basically, <laughs> it's it's old school spycraft where it's like, yeah, page three, uh, the personals have the code that decodes the message I'm really trying to send you. Like, they really did stuff <laughs> like that. Yeah. Uh, no, Because no one could guess what that was. You'd have to know and be told. Uh, then we Which get a is cover. why it gave the movie away for me because it's like, well, she knows, so obvious why because why is the cia like directing mi6 like that doesn't make sense we don't do uh, that they don't do that so yeah i think in the in the in the comic book it's just implied that like well she does she isn't getting help from mi6 like they just put her in there and then like the americans are going to give her some backup so that's the only reason oh. she deals with them okay well because uh, earlier she was calling him a like it's yeah, like yeah. oh she hates this guy it's like no she doesn't hate this guy <laughs> uh then, then we get a, a marilyn manson cover of of ministry stigmata <laughs> i know that caught my attention it's like there's only one ministry you know <laughs> I, I i'm i'm 16 again in high school it's like oh ministry lorraine gets a call from a computer voice on a phone that just says satchel has been compromised which I don't know why she's getting that call. <laughs> well, because it's what the CIA guy handed her. That's why I f- how I figured oh, okay. out the whole movie right there. Oh, okay. It's like, okay. Uh, Percival meets with Lorraine. Everyone knows uh, Bakhtin is dead now and says spy, Spyglass memorized the list. No, Bakhtin uh, so, isn't dead. It's the other guy. The guy that no, killed the... Ba- killed no, the, Bakhtin's uh, the guy who got stabbed in the head with the pick, ice pick. He's the guy who killed Gascoin. Oh, okay. I um, thought, um, oh, who was the, the other guy killed him? Okay. I could be messed up. I might be wrong. <laughs> yeah, I might be Cause wrong. Because I thought Bakhtin was the guy at the end of the movie. No, that's uh, Merka, or what's, uh, no, what's his name? No, Brimovich. Uh, okay. Br- Brimovich is the guy at the end of the, okay, yeah, I yes. was, you're right. Okay. They're wrong. both, they're both Russian guys, but I'm not sure, like, but Bakhtin's kind of the guy that was like more on Percival's level, and so they're like trying to sell this list because they know everything's about to fall apart. It's like this list is only its most value. Its most valuable thing is right now before the wall falls, because like it will still be valuable afterwards. But right now, it's at its most. <laughs> Let me tell you something about this list. It's not because I know how the Cold War ended. It's not going to stop the complete. Uh, implosion of the Soviet economic system. No matter how many bad things we did that are on this list, it's not going to stop the reality of the implosion of the Soviet economic system. But whatever. They said, oh, it'll continue the war for 30 years. It's like, what, like increase the value of the ruble by 400%? Because that's the only thing that would continue this cycle. But, you know, it's a movie. I get it. It's fun. Um, but here they say Spyglass doesn't have the list, but he memorized the list, committed it to memory. Yeah. So they need to go after him. I wrote presumably Gascoin's watch didn't have the list because he like they have 
Percival looking it over, but he seems like disappointed and starts drinking like the information on there wasn't the list. Um, no, the information was on there. It was, yeah, it was but on we, some kind we of, never see it. No, but it was on a, some kind of microfilm he accessed because he too, not Gascoigne, I'm sorry. No, the other guy, uh, the McAvoy character, also remembered the list. Oh, okay. Yeah, I'm sorry. I was I was confused. I thought you were talking about McAvoy, the uh, other character. Yeah, Percival. Percival. Yeah, Percival like, also remembers the ta- list. Well, no, he's taking apart the watch here. Yeah. Because otherwise he doesn't need spyglass if he knows the list. Yeah. Or unless he's just using it as a bargain chip. is like, well, here's another guy you can bargain with. No, he doesn't need spyglass because he shoots him. <laughs> yeah, but that was to, like, cover for something. I don't know. <laughs> uh, I thought he, too, remembered the list because he found the microfilm on the watch. I could be misinterpreting yeah. that. Yeah, but, but like, they show, like, snippets of, like, what's on the watch, but it, it doesn't directly, like, there's some things it's like, okay, there's some snippets that mean... Here's MI6 and stuff, but we don't actually see the list, so we don't actually know. Because this is like the whole dilemma of what's supposed to be cool about the comic book is like ultimately there may have never been a list, and the whole thing was for nothing. Oh, okay. <laughs> That's what goes on the book. Here is implied that there is a list. Yeah, I know. I always thought there was a list. I never got that other read on it, but, <laughs> but no. In the, but then in again, the I'm comic, not perfect, so it's like yeah, I in the comic book. I don't know. This movie isn't not perfect, so it's. I mean, it still doesn't work in the in the in the comic book either, where it's like, well, wait, what did happen? It's like, hmm, it's it's what the audience thinks. So, like the the, I don't know. Like the more downer interpretation is that the list never existed and all this happened for nothing. <laughs> yeah, all these people died for. Sh- which is yeah, yeah, actually a very you know Eastern European story, so. <laughs> very Russian tale. They died um, for nothing. <laughs> they died for secrets that weren't worth knowing. So uh, Percival and Lorraine are like working together to go after Spyglass, so they got to go over to East Berlin to to get him out. Uh, then we come back to the interrogation, and Grace says he got a call from Percival saying he had the list and knows who Satchel is. And it's with it's within that retelling that they have like little snippets of like what's on the microfilm in the list, which you don't know if like what we're being shown is accurate or what he just thinks is accurate. But if he has the list, I don't know why he didn't just tell Gray. It's like, yeah, here it is. Here you go. But I, I don't know. There's also a cut where he says like, I'm getting close. It's like, well, don't you have the list? Don't you know where it is? But I mean, this is just supposed to make Percival look more suspicious now. Then Percival meets with like some Stasi guy to make a deal with him, or is this Bermovich? I can't remember. Then we cut to Lorraine's with Delphine, and they have like a dour conversation Keep about explaining. like explaining. I'll be right back. <laughs> they have like a dour conversation about like yeah, this spy stuff. You know, this relationship we have isn't for real. Delphine says like your eyes look different when you tell the truth, and then then. Uh, Lorraine is like kind of like horrified by that for I mean not really but she's like well I gotta learn to stop doing that <laughs> and she's like what telling the truth or like no giving it away so, <laughs> so she needs to have a better poker face and be more convincing with her lies then we get to Depeche Mode behind the wheel plays and get Lorraine and Percival are breaking in somewhere at a train station because like, they get to East Berlin on the train I think or yeah and they walk there I can't remember you get titles on the screen that say East. Uh, they walk into Merkel's place, which is just full of computers. And here, Spyglass is hiding out at Merkel's place. Uh, we're in East Berlin. Spyglass is hi- hiding out at Merkel's place. 
So Angela Merkel. <laughs> uh, can't remember who that is. She was the former. Um, what do they call him in Germany? Um, El Presidente? No, that's not <laughs> the commission. No, uh, prime minister. No, they might have a president there. I don't know. Yeah, yeah Germany's have, a federal president president republic. There. Yeah, I think it's like ours. Uh, Lorraine has spyglass shave and changes clothes, so he'll less be likely to be noticed. And we cut to like a sniper setting up outside of the protest march. Here they show up like the scale of the protest march. It's like, oh, this is huge. Which in the in the comic book, it's like one panel with like here's eight people with signs. Yeah. <laughs> Here it's like, oh, it's like a half a million people <laughs> marching, or how many they got. I don't know. Yeah. That uh, does a better job of establishing like just how large the, 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 this moment is that all their spy craft is happening amongst. Oh, I, yeah, 1989, I was uh, I actually there were German exchange students at my high school and I was asking about this because I was just as interested then as I am now in this. And they're like, oh, yeah, it's pretty big. But they were <laughs> from like, you know, way in Western Germany. So they didn't. Yeah. They were like, yeah, it's probably a good thing if, you know, we, we have one country. Which I forget. So I, I don't know if this is the, the listener is, but I, if I believe right, like Berlin's on the east side of East Germany, right? Yes. It's in East Germany. Yes. And then Berlin itself was separated into two cities. And then the only way they could get things was basically by through airplanes that the 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 soviets decided to not shoot down <laughs> uh there was that and there was a there was a highway you could travel to oh there was okay yeah, there's uh videos on youtube you can watch about instructional videos for u.s soldiers who have to travel on the highway to west berlin and how it's actually amazing just watch it it's it's like make sure you have a full <laughs> tank of gas don't run out of gas on the way and if you get pulled over by the you know east german police that's one thing but if you get pulled over by russians that's like dangerous like because the east german police and the russians hate each other so you can actually play them against each other but if, if your car <laughs> breaks down in this corridor that you can travel to berlin with you know there's all kinds of things you got to do but yeah, watch it on youtube it's really weird it's wild how how europe was organized at that time because i always thought like that's like well how does this work because i always heard of like was it the Berlin airlift? Is that what they called it? Yeah, it just, yeah, that happened okay. after World War II. Yeah, um, but yeah, it's like Berlin's in East Germany, and yep. so, <laughs> but there's one part that's not that's not part yeah, of West it. West Berlin is a free city. East Berlin is not. Yeah, but the Berlin airlift was basically like, yeah, we're gonna we're gonna parachute supplies and stuff in because we're just daring the Russians to shoot down American aircraft, which they because <laughs> if they do, it's an act of war, and it's like okay. Because remember, Edward Heller is like furiously working at the hydrogen bomb at that time. It's like, let's see what happens. This is why the uh, uh, people who lived in Berlin at the uh, time of the Cold War not really pro-nuclear war. Because, you know, no indication that they would live more than a few seconds after that started uh, on either side. So, yeah, but there was a whole freeway that traveled. It's, it's weird. You could yeah, uh -huh. watch videos on YouTube. It's great. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, the sniper setting up uh, outside the protest march, which like it's a whole setup because he knows like oh spyglass is gonna appear, so like 
you know, they got a tip somehow. So it's like, okay, there's a double agent somewhere. Uh, Lorraine gets a gun. It's just a, a Makarov. I don't know if it's a special Stasi Makarov. In the comic book, she's like, she wants a different gun. He's like, hey, you can't, beggars can't be choosers. <laughs> I don't have any gun available here. I have the guns that are available. I want an H and K with a threaded stock, a threaded barrel. <laughs> it's like, well, that hasn't been invented yet. So, uh, but here Percival's kind of like mad. It's like he's like, you don't need a gun. It'll be worse if you're found with it, which doesn't come true. But it's just like, like, why is he against this? <laughs> why is he so anti Second Amendment all of a sudden? <laughs> Uh, they create a because uh, Merkel just has a bunch of stuff here where it's like this is where you kind of like kind of I guess afterwards you realize like oh he has embassy stuff so he can create a passport which I guess maybe an embassy wouldn't have would they have passport making tools at an embassy? Why would us? Oh, they would at least have the ability to stamp your passport to give you a visa. Okay. I would assume. Okay. As as a global traveler that I am. <laughs> Uh, Percival is dressed in a Stasi uniform. Spyglass has like some weird outfit that everyone's embarrassed by. <laughs> totally seventies, uh, like <laughs> Eastern European outfit. Yeah. Uh, Spyglass family shows up, which this is a last minute change. Because this is almost like make, almost redeems Percival for a moment because he's concerned about the family than less so about Spyglass. Yeah. Because <laughs> essentially, he does get the guy's family out. As far as we know, but then he shoots Spyglass. It's like, yeah. that would be an interesting dichotomy, but we never really get into why he does any of this. But. Yeah, his daughter's cute. I mean, I'm going to put a forty-five through his chest, but, you know, his daughter's <laughs> cute. Or whatever round he used, I don't know. Yeah. And then we get to, like, yeah, we cut to, like, the breakout. So Lorraine is escorting Spyglass. Per- Percival has his family. The sniper and spotter have them in sight, so they're, like, ready to shoot them. And then Merkel gives a signal, and the crowd opens up umbrellas that blocks the sniper's view, which is pretty cool. Yeah, that's actually kind of a neat idea. It's like, that would actually work, yeah. I could see that which, working. And then we have, again, the air where Percival's, like, thrown off by this. It's like, this wasn't part of the plan. It's like, what, you mean common sense and protecting our assets? Like, yeah, yeah, be worried about that. That doesn't make you look weird at all. <laughs> Why are you doing this? You're going to stress out the KGB. <laughs> you don't want them to be angry. And so because, yeah, then there's the, the there's some hubbub with the sniper. It's like, ah, I don't have a shot. And then Spyglass gets shot anyways, and we see it's Percival. It, like, shoots under his arm with a, with a silenced pistol. Um, with a movie sni- silencer, not a real one, by the way. <laughs> yeah. A real one would be three times as long. <laughs> You know, through a crowd. He's just, yeah. you know, that's just how good he is. <laughs> yeah. And so then, like, that kind of, the, but yeah, the shot kind of, does the shot disperse the crowd or is it silenced? <laughs> no, it's, it, no one notices. Oh, okay. Just, well, just, the sni- uh, then the sniper starts shooting at them, but they miss. Yeah. No, I think they uh, notice, the crowd notices that. Oh, yeah. They, they just notice some bleeding or something. And then yeah. they're like, oh, we got to get out of here. <laughs> so Lorraine gra- g- grabs Spyglass and they go into the building because she needs to take out the sniper before they can get out of there. So, yeah, good, you know, good logic there. So she leaves Spyglass on the bottom floor and then she takes an elevator up. And here's we have like the, the stairwell fight. This is another famous fight scene from this movie. Uh, it's a really cool fight scene. It's oh, also yeah. where like Charlie's there and did a lot of her own stunts. And like, I know the stunt community that like really had to like, like gave, like really gave her a thumbs up. It's like, oh yeah, she's one of us now. <laughs> yeah. 
I think it's one of those. I think this, yeah, she probably broke ribs or something to do this scene. So. Oh yeah, it's a violent, it's a visceral scene to watch. <laughs> You're like, oh, she just took a bag of tools to the head, <laughs> or a dismantled sniper rifle to the, just the same thing as a bag of tools to the head. Yeah, because uh, yeah, like again, like you know, she's you know, this is a fight where like she gets t- more tired as it goes on. <laughs> Yeah, I like the exhaustion. It's like, ah, oh, can we just not fight for just a minute before I have to grab this kettle or hot plate or whatever and just yeah. cave your skull in? Can I catch my breath? Um, but yeah, I think one point a guy pulls a knife and she's able to kind of like use the knife against him. So this kind of gives her like kind of a breather. It's like, ah, oh, thank God the knife did all the work. I don't have to punch these guys. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, Thank God she, for his ruptured organs. <laughs> <laughs> and then she's like, she goes to the, the rifle bag and she start, tries putting together, but they're like the bolt not in there. So she goes to look the guys over to see if like the bolts in there, but it's not. I like them, that like, touch because that's how people would really do that. It's like, let's not put the weapon ready to reassemble back in the bag. Let's <laughs> keep the firing pin in your pocket because this could be used against you at some point. <laughs> Here's a like spyglass makes his way up the the stairwell. He's like bleeding out some more. Uh, he's got shot in the side, and she's like, like yelling instructions over her shoulder while she's like fighting a guy with a Ginsu <laughs> knife. Like, do anything to stop the wound. Find alcohol, tape, anything. <laughs> like, just to stop, staunch up this hole in your body. Because you actually have the, under the illusion, like, oh, he's gonna make it. Like, yeah. Charlize is in charge. Like, we're gonna figure this out. But he's walking upstairs. He's like two, two more coming. He's kind of whispering it, and so then she can't, she, the, she can't find the the bolt on the guy. So then she just takes the rifle button. <laughs> That's a weapon now, and so she yeah, just part the, of an AK forty seven dragging off. She's going to use <laughs> to like stab someone in the head with, which like yeah, it'd probably work actually. But uh, yeah, so she beats up two more guys, but even more guys come in. So they make their way in her room. And she blocks it off, and it's like that's she's taking shots. Or shots are coming through the door, and this is where she's telling him to like, you know, to, to staunch up the wound. I think eventually he just finds like duct tape and just like wraps it around. Him, so yeah. um, and he's trying to help her fight with a bullet yeah. hole through through him, which is like <laughs> kind of cool. Like, yeah, I could see that. But yeah, we get key face guy comes in again, and so it's like that's her nemesis, and he basically is beating the crap out of her. Here's where that spyglass tries to help, but he gets knocked to the side. Yeah, she, she hits him with it. She tried to grab as many things she can to hit him with, but he still comes at her. He pins her against the wall. I think he's choking her out. And she grabs like a wine corkscrew wine bottle remover and just like stabs him in the eye behind her a bunch of times. Yeah. <laughs> stabs him in the eye. Does one more stab to the chest and he falls over. So I assumed he, de- he was dead, but no, he comes back just one more moment. Um, and she beats him to death with a hot plate. Or you don't know if she beat him to death, but yeah. Yeah. She no, he, him with she, a hot she does plate. it. You yeah. assumed it because he was down because he comes back. Which I and like I, the thing yeah. about the strangling move where she's like stabbing him because that's something when I see strangling in movies where people just like freeze and kind of silently die. It's like, <laughs> no, you're going into the wall, dude. I'm going to do everything <laughs> I can to stop my windpipe from being cut yeah. off. And it's like, yeah, she actually does what real people would do. It's like, I'm freaking out <laughs> at this point. <laughs> But then the guys with the guns come in afterwards, and she just dispatches it. Well, it's actually no, it's actually before. Well, I forget. She gets a gun at some point. Oh no, she has the gun. 
So she shoots one guy as he comes in, like in the eye, and then another guy, and then the gun gets knocked away, and then she fights the big key face guy, and then some more gun guys come in, but she grabs another gun and shoots those guys out, and then they leave. Yeah. They it's very uh, John Wick, the whole thing. The whole thing. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. like, oh yeah, this looks like a John Wick movie. And I think it's technically done in one shot, but you know, it's a lot of clever editing where it's multiple shots put together. But it looked cool. Yeah, yeah, it's really, it's really cool. Like all the action scenes, there's only like three, but they're all cool in this movie. It's like I'm you glad she tell- did that. This chick is cool. <laughs> Furiosa can't lose. <laughs> um. Yeah, they walk outside and they hold up some police officers and steal their car. Yeah, these poor, like, East German cops. <laughs> and they start playing I Ran So Far Away by Flock of Seagulls. <laughs> Here's where Keyface shows up again. He's not dead, but here she just finally just runs him over with the car and now presumably dead. Which is what should have happened. It's like, <laughs> yeah, just kill this guy, please. Uh, Spyglass has his wound taped up, but he's still trying to dress it because he finds, like, a medic kit in the police car. Now it's a car chase. There's, there's kind of cool stuff here. Not a lot happens. They eventually just kind of get away because a bigger truck just hits one of the, the chasing cars. Yeah, she, and then she, they, she evades rather than bashes, which is like, yeah, that would actually work. Because these are really right. cheap, horrible, like, Eastern block cars. I mean, these cars literally, there's 100 horsepower between the three of them. So it's like, yeah, this is how you would this chase would go because these cars aren't like big American police cars where you can. It's like the Blues Brothers where you can just bash through <laughs> shit and they have like 400 cubic inch engines that can take all this damage. No, these are like cars with lawnmower engines in them, and they literally like, yeah, this is how you do it. Um, you're better off like waiting for the beer delivery truck to bash the suspension out of the other car than you know do the thing. But they evade their pursuers and kind of take a moment, and they're, like, parked next to the river. But then, like, I think it's Bermovich or one of them, like, Bermovich, just knocks, yeah. the, knocks the car into the river. It's that famous scene where you're like, oh, everything's fine, and then you look to the passenger side, and here comes a car, and yeah. you just get bashed into the water or whatever. In this <laughs> case, it's the water. But, yeah, we've all seen this before. Um, and because he bashed spyglass's side his leg is like stuck in the car which makes sense yeah uh, and so they try to get him loose but eventually he just dies which i'm not sure if he just drowns or if it's like that's blood loss and he's drowning like he just dies sooner <laughs> well do you imagine how fast your heart is jackhammering when you're like <laughs> underwater and can't breathe and you got a bullet hole completely <laughs> through you it's like yeah you're dead in many ways you're you're dead more than one way so yeah, but it's very, it's very haunting how he looks in it because, like... <laughs> well, she says, I'm going to get you out. Yeah. And he, like, believes in her the whole time. Well, yeah, she said she's never lost a package, yeah. which I never believed her when she said that. No, it's just like, I'm just trying to make you feel better. But it's like, yeah. he needs to believe in that because literally what he's doing is insane. <laughs> and I've had real stories of people that they've got out of russia and it's like oh yeah it's that nuts it's like it's not that violent but it's always like well are you gonna make it it's like i hope so get in the trunk it's always like that it's like hope they don't look in the trunk it's like wait you're the cia and you hope they don't look in the trunk it's like yeah this is the best we can do man short notice what do you think there was going to be like a rocket ship to take you out it's like no just hope they don't look in the trunk uh, so yeah, Spyglass dies underwater, and Lor- Lorraine swims to the surface. 
So when we cut back to the interrogation. Here's where they the tape like is done. So they refill the tape recorder. So that'd be in the end of act two. So we have act three. Uh, Lorraine is mad at Gray, saying like, "You sent me up in a you sent me up in a hornet's nest." We cut yeah, we cut back to the story, and Lorraine gets out of the water, and Merkel Merkel gets her to safety. They get back to the west with like an ambassador's car because like he says something. They make a moment out of it where it's like we need to get the car. And they make it look like they're going to uncover some supercar and race over. And it's, not, it's just a Volvo with ambassador plates on yeah. it. <laughs> Diplomatic immunity. <laughs> For all you um, lethal weapon fans. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, Percival is talks with Kurtzfeld about, like, this being a trash fire and everything. Like, ah, everything get wrong. It seemed like there's, like, guys come in and moving things. I don't know what they're doing. I don't know where they are. I can't remember <laughs> where like they Percival and Kurtzfeld are at the same time. But um, here, here's where Percival learns that Lorraine is still alive and basically decides like he needs to kill her, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Cause remember he betrayed them for reasons. I uh, love cut... Berlin. Damn it. <laughs> uh, cut to, uh, the Rain's apartment. Here's she remembers like Percival taking her coat, and then she goes and looks for a tracking device and finds one. Uh, here's like a, a little bit of like extra details where it's like he put a French bug on her coat to like make her think it was Delphine, which I guess is an interesting thing. It's like, yeah, wouldn't you do that? Wouldn't you just steal other people's spy stuff and then put it on other people's stuff? Yeah, it's, <laughs> so They would think it's that. <laughs> finally, somebody acts intelligently in this movie. <laughs> I'm just going to walk into spinning blades. It's like, oh, okay. <laughs> uh, there's a knock at the door. It's Delphine, but uh, she gets sent away. Then we get shots of like protests as the looming fall of the wall is about to happen. Uh, Lorraine goes to Percival's and like all his like like all his bugs are like playing on a recorder, so she's like hearing that stuff going on. Uh, then we cut to Delphine's at her place and she's like packing up, about to get out of there, and she has headphones and a Walkman on. She's listening to voices carry again. Uh, Vo- Percival comes in and starts garroting her. Yeah, but it looks like it's just like some like tubes or whatever. <laughs> Delphine fights back and stabs Percival several times, which is almost humorously, because even he's laughing at like being stabbed. And he's like trying to get it out of his back. It's like, oh, that's an awkward position to have a knife. Yeah, because he like um, bashes it into the wall and drives it deeper. It's like this is why garroting people is stupid because they're gonna <laughs> they're gonna fight like chimpanzees, not to be <laughs> strangled to death. Uh, uh, this is why like a at... silenced gun to the back of the head would make a lot more sense. It's like, no, nope, we're yeah, just going to strike. I think they kind of explain in the comic where it's like he's trying to make them think the Russians did it because that was one of their MOs or whatever. Okay, or use, a, like use a Torkarov pistol and shoot her <laughs> in the back of the head, you know. Just yeah. like... but L- Lorraine shows up at the apartment. And she's trying to, to buzz in while, like... Where Percival gets back to strangling Delphine, and he does finish it and kills her. Then Lorraine busts bust in, guns up, and she clears the room before she mourns the death of Delphine. So you know, that's the that's the correct thing to do. Yeah, that so. is nice. It's like okay, first make sure there's no assassins waiting to jump out of the corner, and then like, oh, this chick I bumped donuts with once, I love her, and now I'm gonna have a moment of sadness because she could tell when I was telling the truth, which is. A bad like poker thing. <laughs> I was waiting for like um you know uh this is the point of the movie where it gets dumb. 
Yeah. I, I wanted, uh, like, uh, what's her name? Lady Gaga, like, poker face to play. <laughs> then we cut to Percival's dressing his wounds. We get more shots of protester. Here's, like, Percival, like, speaks to the audience. I, I forget. I wrote down, like, who won and what was the point anyways or whatever. Yeah, and it's just fourth wall rhetoric about the coming Bush's coming war on terror, which will <laughs> completely delegitimize the West's uh, victory during the Cold War somehow. Uh, and also one of these moments, because it kind of like intercut between it, this is where he says, like, I love Berlin, which is supposed to explain why he betrayed everybody. And it doesn't. <laughs> yeah, why he like killed multiple people, betrayed his own country. It's like, I like driving a 9-11 around dangerously. <laughs> See, in the comic, what's implied is that, like, like he basically had already sold out to the Russians, and then, like, he was panicking because, like, oh, Russia's going to collapse, so I don't have I don't have a retirement in Russia anymore. There's nothing to retire to. Okay, now, I um, like that versus <laughs> what's in the movie. It's because he doesn't see, like, the future brilliance of being one of Putin's oligarchs. It's like, no, I'm screwed. It's like, Russia's dead. It's like, no, Russia's very much alive <laughs> oh yeah here's how i was getting like a somber version of uh 99 loof balloons playing yeah <laughs> like nine on nine six loof balloons <laughs> um oh no it's more of this somber german shit. it's like <laughs> yeah we get it you lost the second world war and it sucks so i understand <laughs> Uh, Percival grabs a bag of stuff. I don't know what it is. That's something valuable to him. Yeah. Uh, and he's trying to escape amongst. Oh, at like, this the point, this movie is just like just molten lead being poured on the ground. It's like we don't know what's <laughs> happening or why, and it doesn't really make sense. Yeah. You got to do a lot of work as at the audi- as the audience to make this movie make any sense at this point. Yeah. This is when I turned against this movie, by the way. So. Yeah, I mean, it's why I. That's why I remember like disliking it. It's like, oh, this is really cool, but it just it falls in the third act. Because it's like what you want it to do. It's like, well, you have the va- you have you have all the clarity of of uh, what do you call that hindsight? Yeah. To make a an evaluation or a, a commentary on what the Cold War meant and what it means to us now, and you did none of that. No. This is all the back. This is just something like, oh, we just want a backdrop to like a spy thriller. And it's like, well, this is an exciting time for it to happen. So that was it. Yeah, it's like this is based on a comic book, uh, which might have had some meaning. Sometimes they do. I don't like comic (laughs) books, but sometimes they have meaning. It's like, oh, it's the guy who wrote or who worked on John Wick. Like, this is going to look cool. And we're going to have a commentary on the Cold War. It's like, no, it's just a stupid actioner. I don't (laughs) want it to be a stupid actioner. But at the last act, it's it's a stupid actioner. Yeah. yeah. You're waiting for Optimus Prime to come out. And like, this is why (laughs) capitalism won. You know, it's just like might as well be a Michael Bay, like. Uh, whatever movie because it's Lorraine did you find the all spark yeah yeah it's, 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 it had a list of my groceries on it it's just pathetic get, get the knock list you know why aren't you the transformers are the ultimate secret agent <laughs> there's more than meets the eye in the end of the cold Robot war in the sky. Uh, yeah. it really got dumb it, sadly <laughs> stupid Lorraine, what if I could turn into an ape? <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, 
mechanical ape or a mechanic <laughs> or is that organic <laughs> yeah. no it's mechanical it's clearly not not an animal <laughs> what if i brought anthony hopkins out to bring meaning to this <laughs> and what if we did that again in five years in westworld <laughs> where i'm trying to give my brother a job it's like huh what where's christopher nolan involved in this movie what happened <laughs> No, this um, has deep... It's a dream within a dream within a dream. <laughs> no, it isn't. Shut up. Uh, yeah, Stop so f- with me. To... Oppenheimer was a great movie. <laughs> yeah, now I'm trying to think of something to... Oppenheimer and Optimus Prime. <laughs> Optimus Prime? No, that's... Chris not. Mason broke my heart with uh, Last of Us. <laughs> what was I doing? Oh yeah, so yeah, we have the voiceover of Percival, and he's trying to justify his betrayals, but he, you know, we don't clearly they see it didn't work. So, I guess the the oh, I guess the lesson yeah. is Percival was an idiot. Like the character we liked the whole movie was like ultimately a fool. Like weird. Okay. Uh, Percival finds a knife in his Porsche tires, so now he's just trying to leave. And then Lorraine just shows up and shoots Percival. Uh, she's like listening to his dying words, and he claims. Uh, Lorraine's various covers are on the list and she's a bad person. Um, Which we knew from like, <laughs> well, she can fight like six guys to the death. It's like, well, she's obviously like been in some tough corners before. Yeah. He's also, he says he doesn't have the list. And so she takes a watch and just shoots him in the head. It's like, Oh, that's efficient. Well, she's um, he's also claiming he remembered the list. Just like, the other guy like look at a spyglass it's like i remembered it it's like cool i'm just gonna blow your brains (laughs) out of the back of your head so so that thumb drives erased um here she says like she calls him like comrade percival or something like that and here he's like oh that's how you're gonna play implying that like that's not what's going on yeah because here she's saying like oh you're a kgb spy a double agent he's like no <laughs> it's stupider than that <laughs> oh wouldn't it be glorious if it was that interdimensional and, and you know, that we're playing that many levels of 3d chess but no this is a movie um so i mean i guess i guess the weird thing here is, is like here it's seen it's it's kind of implying that the rain is the double agent because he's like Oh, you're lying. I'm not Satchel like you are, or something. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, I mean, this is like two minutes of the movie. They try, they try to wrap up the the whole conspiracy and don't do it well. Yeah, I, I'm putting photo etch on a missile assembly at this point. I'm like, yeah, I don't care, whatever. Because <laughs> uh, like they cut back to the interrogation scene and like you killed Percival. It's like well, I took his body back. I thought we all knew that, but apparently they didn't. So. Yeah apparently the west berlin police found a body with a bullet with a couple of bullets and are like yeah let's put them on a plane with this yeah let's lady. wrap this in a bit british flag so they can <laughs> salute it and it's like yeah, that makes perfect sense uh so everybody's disappointed in it and then like presumably like she's walking off with the list because she says she doesn't have it yeah which i get i mean i guess because they don't bring up the point that the idea that like that the list may not exist which they should have done that because that would have made this all more, at least a bit more interesting. Yeah, it's but, stupid. It's like, well, let her walk away. It's like, no, let's peel her skin back an inch at a time <laughs> until we know where the knock list is because that could undo all Western intelligence and somehow extend the Cold War. And again, it will increase the value of the ruble 400% and extend the Cold War for another 30 years, which 
it might have actually been better or at least more organized than what we're facing today i'm not sure um so then we have like an epilogue i don't know how to describe this it says paris three days later lorraine's meeting i call with it a Bruno. stupalogue but yeah <laughs> or, or, or this like please give us a sequel or something i don't know yeah <laughs> I'm not uh, watching it, by the way, if it comes out. Even if it's for this podcast, I'll be like, I didn't watch it. Explain it to me. Oh, I'd watch it. I think, like, like, I think, like, everything's cool about this movie except for the ending. I mean, if <laughs> the they promise, if, if they came, if they sent me an email like, Nathan, we didn't f up the ending in this movie, okay, I might watch the sequel, but they would have <laughs> to personally reach out to me. Because I think, like, this has cool style, cool action charlie's kept they're on super cool <laughs> yeah i mean it's right up my alley it's like i love this this is the this is the the uh the era of history like i'm on really solid footing like i know almost everything about the cold war in the 80s and it's like this touched all the points until the end and it's like it got really dumb and it got uh, contrived you know that word yeah. contrived everyone throws that out there in this context it actually means something i can prove it it's very uh, contrived at the end. Lorraine meets Bremovich at a hotel. She has like I wrote dark dyed hair, but it's just a wig. Yeah, because um, I don't know how to look for those things. I remember people complain about like wigs and toupees, and that's like, okay, I, I never notice any of that stuff. I don't unless have. I don't have. Unless it has like that. Unless it has like that latex line, that's the only time I'm gonna know it's a wig. Yeah, neither me nor you have to worry about pattern baldness as men, so we don't know anything about wigs or fake hair or hair plugs or anything. We're lucky that way, only that way. But we are very lucky that we have nice full heads of hair into our, you know, ending days or wherever we're at now. I don't know. It's like sometimes like how like we'll have we'll watch a movie and there's like some technical detail that takes us out of the movie. And like uh, our, our mom will have that word. Like she'll watch the movie. It's like that guy's wearing hair plugs. It's like, wait, that stopped the, that stopped the entire narrative for you. Yeah. <laughs> it, it's like somebody pulled the e-brakes on the train. Like, <laughs> like hair plugs. It's like, obviously. Okay. What? All right. You say so. She's wearing hair extensions. <laughs> like, okay. Yeah. Are we going to ignore the rest of the movie then? <laughs> well, because neither me nor you have hair problems. We're, we're those lucky American males that, like, like don't have to worry about that. Um, yet. <laughs> Life isn't over yet. Give it another five years. Yeah, I mean, Nathan could get into weightlifting and start taking testosterone and lose all the hair that way. Yeah, I'll just say it's like, yeah, I guess I had baldness in my, you know, <laughs> shoulders are huge. It's yeah, like, it skipped I, like eight, it skipped eight generations. I don't know what happened. I'm just like banging veins full of testosterone. <laughs> so she hands, so she hands the watch over to, to Brimovich, which presumably has the list on it, implying that she's a traitor. And then just a bunch of guys with gloves come in, casually prepping to kill her. <laughs> uh, so then yeah, it's a very, very like uh, what do they call that? Uh, snatch like assassination scene. Because remember in the movie Snatch, the British gangster, the guys are always like unrolling body bags in the background. <laughs> it's it's one of those like assassination scenes. Like, well, what's gonna happen? Yeah, we're going through the motions that were professional, but then it doesn't work out. Yeah. Because professionals have just walked in and shot her in the head. It's like, well, we're not going to give you a chance to, like, stick a wine bottle in my neck or something. We're just going to kill you. 
Maybe she reaches in the ice bucket and pulls out a gun and oh, kills all yeah, the guys. Oh, there's a gun in there. Okay, I thought she stuck a wine bottle in somebody's neck. Or... Uh, I mean, she might have. She might have lost the gun at one point. It's presumably because they cut to Merkel's hanging around there. So it's like presumably because he has a bellhop on. So it's like, oh, he put the gun in the ice bucket. Yeah. Um, which also presumes a lot of things later on. Uh, so, uh, yeah, she kills all the guy. Then she kills Bremovich last or she shoots him in the throat. And like as he as as he dies she explains like how she betrayed him it's like not the other way around uh then we get under pressure plays she takes off the dark hair wig we got to merkel's hanging around then lang gets on a plane with kurtzveld he says let's going home her accent changes and this implies that she's actually an american spy the whole time she's an american triple agent who was playing both the <laughs> kgb and mi6 <laughs> which makes me think well what was her backstory like how <laughs> did that work okay it would so, make yeah, was, sense well, if she like oh no i was a south african and and i like <laughs> oh what you really did okay well that, that makes sense so i don't other than like just to try to like do kind of like a like surprise ending thing i don't know how this serves the rest of the movie it doesn't it's stupid it's why it's why this unless one... not, i can only imagine that some producer was like how we ended it and she didn't give up the list people are going to think she's a, the traitor yeah it's like well is that interesting is that true and then somebody went no it's like well then let's shoot this and then we'll make her an american and then like she's the hero because she's an american yeah because <laughs> americans are always good people <laughs> they're always doing the right thing in the world we're trying to teach the rest of the world about liberty justice and the american world. <laughs> what was it truth freedom in the american way or something yeah <laughs> Yeah. Uh, so that's how it really works everyone that's what they'll teach you in college or wherever um which i don't think i picked up on the, the first time i watched this that she switched accents and it was implied that she's american spy i just thought this was a ploy to do a sequel <laughs> yeah uh, it could be i mean yeah and then do like it could be and then and then do like a 90s inspired spy thriller which <laughs> with 90s music and stuff and 90s remixes <laughs> just a lot of nine inch nails they scream through a, you know a bullhorn yeah, that, <laughs> that kind of stuff yeah we can get uh we can get uh oh what was the what was the 90s ministry song well which one there's so many well what's the most famous one uh it's the one where like they have like all the news footage and stuff and it was oh new world order yeah yeah nwo yeah, yeah nwo yeah <laughs> Yeah, see, that'd be perfect. <laughs> Where Bush is giving the speech, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, '90s Russia is like an amazing time to write fiction about. You know, it's yeah. it's like literally you can just lose your mind, in, you know, in imagination. Because I mean, like, what would be the hot spot in the '90s? Is there something we're forgetting about? Where it's like, actually, this was what happened this time. Oh, it's always seen Russia, as uh, Serbia, Croatia, all the you know. Oh yeah, yeah, that's right. All yeah, those yeah. places. Yeah, you could have something like, oh, there's a secret weapon the Russians are trying to sell to the terrorists or to any or Serbian separatists or something. You know, yeah, you could do that. Yeah, you could. Yeah, you could do do a movie set in Prague in the '90s, and it all has to do with spies. <laughs> yeah, nuclear weapons and and everything. Yeah, yeah. and just uh, have her fight like seventy five like Spetsnaz <laughs> guys and win because that's realistic. And yeah, but yeah, uh, I mean, I think it's a cool looking movie, cool action, 
and maybe two thirds of a good movie that's ruined by its third act. So. Yeah, it's 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 so sad in the third act how it ends. I really I like this. I wanted to like this movie because, yeah. like I said, this is my wheelhouse. Like, oh, I know all this shit front to back, and it's like, oh, this is cool. I mean, how many people know the the motto of the Stasi? Like, it's like, oh, I love this stuff, but <laughs> it just died at the end. It didn't like follow through. Yeah. But almost nothing does for me, so I, I, I'm I'm not easy to please when it comes to this. Yeah, I mean this would this would be kind of a high bar for us, and we didn't learn. I mean, I, I thought Citizen X wasn't bleak enough, so it's like <laughs> oh, okay. Well, we're sending a Hail Mary probe into space con- containing the supercut of the movies of the Verhoeven effect. Uh, Nathan, what scene from Atomic Blonde are we shoving into space? It's got to be when Charlize Theron and Del- Delphine are having sex. <laughs> it's the best part of the movie and it explains everything it explains human relations between french uh agents and mi6 slash cia triple agents just getting together and and just grinding it out for you know, the sake of, a, of an orgasm that leads to world peace and you know, the, the victory of capitalism over communism uh, well, if you like what you heard and how can't you, you can find us at verhoeveneffect.com or podcasters.spotify.com slash pod slash show slash effect, Or you can go to angry Bob's film for normal guy review.com. <laughs> yeah, go there. What the hell's that? <laughs> oh, that was a joke you made one time about like, you know, it's like, oh yeah, it's talk- making fun of like a fictional critic and you called it like angry bob's film for normal guys review oh yeah okay, okay and then i, I and then i licensed the or whatever i bought the uh the uh the the domain for that <laughs> and so it's a it's a secondary link to our podcast yeah page. do it dude. <laughs> it's how trump voters would react to cinema or something <laughs> i was something like that yeah you can rate our podcast whatever you want, but remember the only thing the algorithm listens to is the highest rating. So, you know, do it, do what you want, but help us out, please, <laughs> please. <laughs> Make fifteen uh, years worth of effort seem like it's <laughs> worth something. Uh, we have listener support at veronfact.com where you can support us on a monthly stipend of ninety nine cents forty nine or nine ninety nine. You can find us at Twitter. Make or the F- sideline count for something because we really hate our actual jobs. <laughs> <laughs> You can find us on Twitter at Verhoeven Effect, Facebook, Verhoeven Effect. You can find us on YouTube at American Greed Factory. You can watch both this and that show live and, un- un- and unedited. And we have t-shirts at belowthecollar.com slash Greed Factory. So for the Verhoeven Effect podcast, I'm Conlon. And I'm Nathan. Goodbye, America.